the book club and to really to the podcast and to the Looking Glass Forum project that we've been working on for several years now. And by all metrics, by all accounting, the, the podcast, is, it's a huge hit. And it's, it's a homespun, shoestring budget project that we at the uh, the book club and our fellowship, as it were, had put the, the idea together that we needed to have a, a broadcast to expose the machinations and the evil and vile conspiration and, and the kind of diabolical designs of the global elite as they're emerging. So before we, we were the, uh, the conspiracy aluminum hat guys, right? We were talking about the Bilderbergs and everyone thought we were completely nuts. And it was a big joke. It was a big conspiracy theory joke of the Bilderbergers. And of course, now you can see, now it becomes clear with the Klaus Schwab. He was the head of the Bilderbergers for a long time, as we always said. Now he's out. Uh, he's got the World Economic Forum. And so many people, including Jay Dyer and, and the Geopolitics and Empire podcast, so many various exposures of the, the Bilderbergers and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Originally being sponsored by Harvard Review, right? The Harvard elites and Henry Kissinger were behind the individuals who would originally give money to Klaus Schwab. And now Klaus Schwab does the same thing. He gives money and accepts money from the world's elites to arrange many of the chaotic disasters you can see unfolding worldwide. The overrunning of every metropolitan county and district and nation in the world from Sweden to United States and Canada, everywhere in the world you look, you can see they're being overrun by foreigners who are being helped, right? Foreigners are being carefully organized. Community organizing, right? Yeah, they're really organizing the hell out of your community. And they're working really hard to make sure that they get as many dangerous, unsympathetic, deviant criminal psychopaths into the country that they can possibly stuff into every bus and plane and, and hotel room, right? So it's a uniform plan of degradation and annihilation of the current Westphalian nation state. And we, we always talk about this. Everybody today has got their Apple iPhone and their modern Starbucks latte and they got their they got their Tesla battery car, right? But no one can remember history. No one can read. No one knows anything that isn't carefully subverted on, uh, on Wikipedia, right? It's the de-evolution and the implantation within your into your brain of, of information that's just completely erroneous. So we're, we're just here to make it clear what, what our intentions are. And I represent an affiliation, a quiet background team, right? Who isn't always going to step out from the background shadows, right? So we have we have several people on our team and uh, we have a growing group here in the, in the book club. And the book club is a fascinating and interesting, super intelligent audience of people who are generally Americans and nationalists who are just not going to go any further with this degradation and destruction and corruption of the American constitutional republic, right? We're just not going to go forward with it. And it's hard because we've been already put on the precipice. So there's already this difficulty that we have in working out how we're going to proceed as Americans. And you can see that the Gestapo, Bolshevik, FBI is already marching about to make the focus of all the woes and ills of the world centered on Americans who are generally gonna have a light complexion with a little bit of melanin in their skin, not very much, right? Pale faces, pale face whiteies, colonialists, right? So as you bring all the, the people from the South, uh, from South America up illegally over the borders, right? You're just here to defy our border and to defile the border. And all the people that are in the background, the Syrians and the Pakistanis, the people that kind of look like they're from South America until you hear their accent, right? They, they seem like they could just be from Venezuela or Colombia, just regular, regular border jumpers, right? Regular wetbacks. 
then now you can see that half the people coming over are, are similar looking, but just Middle Eastern. They're just from far away. They're just from, from countries far away. You can see pretty soon, I'm sure there'll be Hamas, Palestinian, whatever that is, individuals being flooded into the country and being situated here in America, the way that a viral infection is situated dangerously within the organs of a body to here to cause problems, to be a weapon aimed at the heart of America. And so as we, as we worked hard to develop this podcast and to develop a broadcast by which we could reach out. So the, the focus of our operation here is, just, is simply to, to pierce the veil of silence and the, the iron wall of censorship that's really coming down in America through the, the big tech social media apparatus and through the very network of the internet itself. It just makes any attempt to communicate about the crisis that's happening in America profoundly more difficult. And the, the ability for Americans to connect with each other along the lines of developing a political vehicle by which we could save our country and restore our country and make sure that our, our founding documents are refounded, right? The refounding of America, that's, that's really what we're all about. We just want our country back. We want it back from all the poisonous ideology and from all the despicable machinations of these globalist elite have pushed the millions and millions and innumerable oceans of millions of people into our borders and into the borders of Europe and all across the, the world, moving human flows, massive. It's the propelling of these massive osmotic flows of human populations. And that references Osmandius. Look at all my works and be afraid, right? In the, in the sands. And that's what America is uh, going to be faced with. We're just going to be, we're going to end up being another nation consigned to the dustbin of history with the, the careful application of leverage by the world's top 1% as they shuffle around millions and millions of unsuspecting fools and criminals and psychopaths, right? people fleeing murder charges in their own country are going to flood into America, the refuge of MS-13 butchers. And like Osmandius, America is about to face the inexplicable self-destruction and self-annihilation of its own people because we had the most to lose, our own nation. We had the most to see lost in the flames. And over the course of time, so many of us have been deceived, wholesale, corporate media deception, carefully deleted information that would have urged you awake all across Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and yada yada. The whole, the whole apparatus is there to just show you pictures of people's food, show you brazen imagery of women with their, their body parts out, and to make sure that it's a rush to the bottom, bottom of the brainstem, right, you know, which is your, your sexual organs. So you're not to go on there and use your reason and your logic and use your intellect. No, those are to be frozen and to be to be sent down the pathway of just brutal human sexual urge, right? So instead of you going on your smartphone to get more intelligent, you're getting dumber. All the important news that you need to inform yourself and your family is being carefully separated out of your news feed so you never see it. All the information that would have let you know who Joe Biden was and who Hunter Biden was and what kind of perverted pigs they were. All that information was disallowed. You were, you were not allowed through your smartphone to be educated and to know the truth. And so we, we are just a lonely voice in the wilderness, right? Who, who, who hears us? We're not like some of these other podcasts of 100 million you know, clicks and all that. We, we don't have anything like that. We just have a small following. And the only reason we have a following is because America is in, in terrible danger. We're the, one of the only places you can go to hear unvarnished facts and, and news reports. And the, we're going to let you in on our calculus as we see it, as we're beginning to formulate all the news as it's coming out, 
past, present, and the future calculations of what's about to happen in America. Just like you listen to playing some of these journalists and news reporters, and we've got Lou Dobbs on there, and you have Victor Davis Hanson, and we have got some of the most intelligent and sober-minded people and well-educated people in the world, in, in, in human history, coming to warn you on this podcast about what is going on in America. And so if you have just not taken the time to, to search and find any any way of you know informing yourself and your family carefully, then it's really not on us, guys. We did our job. We did we did our duty on the tower watch gate, and we we blew the the alarm. We sent the the distress beacon out, and we let everyone know. We let everyone know what was going on, and that was the primary purpose of setting out here to develop Looking Glass Forum as a podcast that was being a product of the book club, right? The Palindrome Book Club. And that's, that's who we are, guys. That's, that's what this initiative is all about. And we formulated and built the book club as a, a, a means to maintain our own privacy and our secrecy and our own kind of clandestine confederation between us, right? Between me and, and my, my action committee and my group, and now really you. And this, this was the most effective way that our small book club group, not wanting to completely expose itself to the world, wanting to maintain some semblance of anonymity and privacy, by which we could reach out into the burgeoning, exploding internet environment, and the podcast, social media conditions, and to reach a wider audience of people who would be intrigued by what we were, uh, were working on over here. So originally, I think we, we developed the whole mode of connecting you know, as a book club because we had a lot of ideas to share. There's a lot of fascinating books out there, crucial and are central, integral to what is happening uh, today in America's history and in, in a contemporary political events. You can see that uh, the people now are, are being dumbed down. They, they take it, they're taking cursive handwriting out of school. The intention is that somehow we're never gonna have to write or I guess read again. If, you don't, if you're not handwriting, you're not gonna make a declaration of independence against an abusive monarchical dictator, right? If you're not handwriting, what are you going to do? You're going to send an email? So it's this total dependence on this technotronic, ubiquitous system of control that they're building. But it's the process of putting all of our currency and our money into a digital system that they can control. They can ultimately, all the time, cash up just doesn't work. I send it and uh, it says uh, it's, it's got a problem and it'll, it'll happen in a couple hours. It'll, it'll work when it wants to work. Right, it's not like I can't. The person standing right there, I can just hand them a $50 bill and pay for whatever I'm trying to pay for. But we're being roped in to this fragile, infinitely unsustainable technological apparatus we're all supposed to use. What happens if you're running late? You're supposed to pop on your phone and call your boss and let him know. Or if you forget a file, you pop on your your, your smartphone and send an email over. Our, our entire our entire society and our lives. And the shape of our, our businesses and corporations is all carefully balanced on this idea that we're all going to be paying for these smartphones every month that monitor us and watch us, right? The surveillance collectors at the NSA will just continue to be able to have absolute and unmitigated access to our data and control over our lives to such an extent that we have a, a deep state apparatus that's overruling the entire governing apparatus in Washington, D.C. You can just pick somebody out of the blue. 
and just take their businesses and take their, their homes and take their, their property. It's like an inquisition. You just accuse somebody of heresy. You cart them away and take all their stuff. And it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Everyone's terrified, right? The psychological terror of completely unaccountable and arbitrary tyranny coming down on top, on top of just whoever. So I think that uh, I think this is a process by which we have to be one, even though we're so many different people, there's so many different churches and groups or walks of life or faith beliefs. And uh, you have to be able to tolerate other people's uh, opinions. So I think America's fate and our destiny is going to be totally decided by how we proceed as a people. And we have to, to be wise. We have to be careful. But the system persecution that's being arrayed against us has got to be addressed. And you can't address an out-of-control FBI with wild, violent behavior, right? Because that just gives them cause and justifies the things that they were saying about whoever. And it's their job to infiltrate and get people inside their little group, right? Like the Black Panthers, we always take that as an example. They always, always got to get the guy inside the Black Panthers who, who causes the group to make stupid decisions and make the entire group vulnerable to the intended destruction that the, the federal government might uh, target target you with. Look at these Amish people up in Pennsylvania. They're being targeted because they're trying to uh, grow food on a farm and sell it. But if you don't get a special FDA sticker and go through their special FDA processing plants to do the milk and the cheese and the meat then it's not it's not approved hasn't been shot up with the steroids or hasn't been processed through their chemical process or whatever they want to do these amish people have been doing this system of for centuries for, for decades and decades before the uh the fda ever existed and they want to sell their na their natural food products to one another butter and of course the uh the federal government and the fbi gets involved to come arrest people take them to court waste their life months and years of your life just doing asinine appointments and just ridiculous shit to be obedient and to show your obedience to the fucking system of power of the regime here and they cart you away and put you in jail over and over again they take away your liberty and your life just just one little bite at a time one little segment at a time so we, we've already been in this position as men and women of america who are in the position now that have we've already compromised to a great degree the gradual erosion and destruction of the written and intended constitutional government public in form of democracy that we see here witness witnessed here historically in america and you can see that that's been abrogated and devolved and reshaped to become this imperial apparatus that only does two things to a terrible magnitude and that is create debt and to create war and reasons for both so we are here in america and we're responsible for what our government does just like hamas attacked israel all those people in Palestine, all those Gazans, whoever they are, who either by staying quiet, by omitting their own ability to defend innocence, or by actively taking action, they're responsible for what their government did. And having elected Gaza, or having elected Hamas, and if Hamas wasn't rightly elected, not having thrown them out, not having, you know, not having suffered the difficult fight it is to drive terrorists like that out of your country, but giving into it, being a part of it, and now suffering the, 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 the terrible consequences. And that same exact simple dynamic does not elude us here in America. We are not going to escape the fall and the collapse of our country as a consequence with this tiny federal government, right? It was like a thousand hectares, like Washington, D.C., just a couple of thousand representatives and, and delegates we send there and senators and judges. A couple of five, eight thousand people that are all the staffers and workers there. A couple, ten, fifteen thousand people that actually work in the city and, and actually run and operate the entire city itself. And those small band of weird, corrupt brigands have allowed the influence and the unrestrained grasp power of this power structure just to become completely monstrous and utterly violent. Not investigating as a bureau of the federal government, but 
killing and murdering and shooting American citizens as a policy of foreign elites far away in Brussels. And then Davos, right? The Davos, the party of Davos. The world economic builder burger elite power pigs of the world. We've been planning out this entire control grid, this whole technotronic system of unrestrained universal tyranny and global government and they're all in and so it was for this purpose as we go back in time and look in 2015 and on as we develop the idea for palindrome book club we eventually try to get our stuff together and do this podcast and we're really beginning to stake out and develop the foundation for the secret society that we have been working all along to establish. And so our particular secret society isn't meant unknown and, and occult and invisible to the world. It's, it's meant to be visible and open. And so in this, to this extent, we're operating as so many secret societies have in the past. We're operating with those same principles, but only as an exercise in research and as an attempt to expose what has come before and what have been the systems of control that have utterly subsumed our judiciary and our representative bureaucracy. And it was a consistent subterranean military effort over time to break down and to carefully co-opt all the various legislatures in this country. And so the process of building the fraternal groundwork and the elite societal network that it would take to undermine America and to build what you see now in front of you. And like we said, we've been doing all the work in this podcast to expose you to all the authors and thinkers and researchers and teachers and books and research articles, everything we can get our hands on to try to show you the reference of this discussion about the Rhodes-Milner Roundtable, Society of the Elect, right? Based their entire structure after the Society of Jesus. So just go read the book. That's, that's what we're trying to get you guys to see with the book club. So we're trying to get you to understand with this podcast and we have other initiatives behind the scenes that you're not fully aware of we have the church of the black sheep we have other levels and social structures and organizations that we've built because we are recognizing the sign of the times and everyone does their own thing right everyone becomes a part of a group everyone maybe you sign up to be a republican maybe you set up a 501c3 so you can be permitted by the federal government to do your ministry uh, stuff And if they give you approval, then you can have some kind of special write-off relationship with the IRS. And you can, your organization could be submitted neatly with the federal authorities, right? That's one way to operate it as a church. But of course, they have a lot of say over what you can say at the pulpit. If you're up there preaching in your Baptist church and you want to preach your message, you have to think about, well, what could get my 501c3 status taken away? And some people say, well, get a a 501c3 dick. D status or something, right? Try a different one. Try try these different, you know, some people say, well, just operate your ministry as a business and file regular taxes. Okay, interesting. Just run your ministry as a corporation. That's that's interesting. Some people want to start an action committee, a political action committee, a PAC. They'll put a bunch of money in there and they'll support the people they want to support. Some people want to start churches. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to see the, the flourishing of different church groups putting out buildings and putting open uh, houses of worship where people can come in and hear the message of God and and, and the decorum and, and the shape and the actual structure of the laity church where right you, you, there's some priest up front and he sits up higher and he's the guy everyone has to listen to and you sit quietly because you're the lady you sit in there and shush you clap say amen and go home and put your money in the plate but you don't you don't actually have a, an active part in the ministry right you don't you don't have an active place. Maybe you can get on the 
the worship team and sing songs and clap and play play an instrument and be part of the church that way. But the whole structure and the topology and the framing of how we do church in America, it's questionable to me. Like, as you've heard me question so many other things in this podcast, I don't know if that's the actual church structure that we as a Protestant Reformation church, a Baptist Presbyterian rekindling of the, the original Great Awakening, right? The Jonathan Edwards revival across the land. People's hearts being touched by the power of the preaching of God, of the Holy Spirit, changing their hearts and their lives and their minds from the inside out. Those are the, the, the moves of God and the moves of the Holy Spirit that are the Great Awakening of the Protestant Reformation when people started to have their Bibles after the Gutenberg printing press. It was powerful. It was a powerful move on the conscience and minds and hearts of the people when they read the scriptures. When this new information was downloaded, this new data, brought in, in, in within them, right? It changed their hearts and their minds. So you have questions about how church is done in America. And you've heard us, we've gone on and on because so many of these Baptist preachers who are supposed to be teaching the people the true gospel and bringing them out of Babylon, out of Romanism, are still seeking to put Christmas trees and Easter bunnies Easter Easter egg hunts. Right? I go by Baptist First Baptist Church. Easter egg hunts. Right? What what is the Easter egg hunting and that pagan abomination have anything to do with our Bible church? See that that's that's where we we lose. That's that, that's the problem we're having here in America, and that's what this entire system, our entire organization, has been brought forward to expose now to America and to the world. There's so many groups, just like we were talking to our brother on previous episodes about the Seventh Day Adventist, the SDA church. Another breaking away of a Christian fellowship in unison to be separated and to have another sectarian divide. The Roman Catholics never cease to remind us that how we're the Protestant churches are so fragmented and so different, have so many different views on, on Bible doctrine, not all into complete universal ecumenism like like Rome is. Of course Rome isn't either. Look at look at Rome is a disaster. You got the Trads fighting the Jesuit Pope who's trying to drag us all into the uh, World Economic Forum New World Order program here. And of course you can see that was the direction of Skull and Bones all along. The Skull and Bones out of Yale. And as we talked about before, this is an ultramontane knighthood order established at a Protestant university to be the, the harpoon and the whale of great American Protestant Reformation. Nation of Freemen. Right? So after you install in 1832 and 1833, the Skull and Bones have been at Yale and at New Haven, the Knights of Columbus. They have been working and chiseling away ever since to bring America to what it is now with their, all their acolytes with them and devolving America from a small R republic to a massive behemoth, the Leviathan, deep state, black budget, trillion dollar debt expenditure empire, empire of war. Because that's what we've become. So we have to we have to be as Americans educated and conscious and aware of what has happened in our country as we wave our flag. You know what has happened to our flag and the meaning of it over time to other and into the world. And to, you know, does it still have the connotations that we have that we intend to have towards our flag when we put our hand over our heart? Does you're guarding your heart? You put your hand over your heart. You're, you're covering your heart. You're covering it up and protecting it, and you're keeping your oath and your promise to the Constitution and to your country, to your nation. Right? That's what it's all about, guys. That's what it's all about. And getting the American people to break from that prerogative and to break from their own self-interest and to submit to global powers and international elites and globalists overseas and to submit to their climate change agenda and all, all, all the ideologies, all the, the different scheming that you can see that they're doing with the with the gender, in the schools, with the kids, trying to get everyone to reassign their reassign sex reassignment surgery for everybody, right? It's not funny. But I only laugh at the ridiculousness of what we're dealing with. And as we just talk here as sensible men, 
even 10, 15, 20 years ago, this salient, simple, straightforward, common knowledge of American practical reality wasn't so controversial and so explosive and so crazy. But as we just sit here and talk like friends about these issues, you can see that uh, we are being relegated just by holding to our old ways. We're being relegated to the insanity and the, the, the aspersions that are being cast against us and, and the way we're being developed and defined, where we're being defined and shaped and the way our political positions are being positioned and spoken about in the media and big tech social giants sitting there dialing up opinions and dialing down people's opinions. And some people don't get the reminder to go vote, but some people do. And just th this whole mess. We have to take responsibility as Americans. If we're all, every single one of us walking around with a phone with Google on it and we have these disasters befalling us, hey, it's, it's our responsibility. We're accountable. We have to be the ones to do something about it and to find out what's going on. And so that's how we develop this whole platform, guys. We're here to bring you in to the book club, show you information that you're not allowed to see or understand, opinions from the past that are totally banned and totally just erased and scrubbed off YouTube, right? We, we'll go into inquisition updates about the total onslaught of the carefully crafted coup d'etat against America. It's coming from these ultramontane nobility and aristocracy from Europe and generally the old world royal families, right? The, all their knighthood orders, everything is still in place. The entire weaponization of the universal sovereign power of Christendom, the Holy Roman Empire, right? The whole, the whole system is still in place. And we over here in America are, are wavering and the foundations of our entire nation are crumbling. And the, our old enemies, represented by the, the Jesuit provocations of King George III, right? Of course, that, they were, at that point in time, during that entire revolution that we had, banned. And they were censured. They were erased. They were deconstructed by papal bulls. And so it was the rise of the Illuminati. And of course, the Illuminati power structure was raining hell all over Europe while George Washington and, and our men here fought for the revolution and kicked the British out. It was just by the providence of God. It was just by the very, very narrow margin of a miraculous, right? It was just by the very, very thin percentages of a very small cadre of highly motivated men that were able to get this country and its original foundation point started. And we have to recognize now that the mission and the absolute unrestricted operational planning of recovering this entire landmass, this entire nation to its original masters by all these different asymmetrical and occult clandestine means, secret operations, yada, yada. And it hasn't been easy, right? The, the establishment of this constitution and this form of government was very durable, very rigid. And it was through great effort that they have brought us to this place where we are, where we're completely subverted, completely demoralized, like Yuri Bezmenov, we're demoralized to the highest degree, and we are now ready to be completely routed. And of course, it won't be the British Redcoats that come over and do it. It'll be the enemies that they establish there through Yale, through the Skull and Bonesmen there, through the, the fact that they were set as MI6, MI5 agents for life, and they were there to help Mao Zedong take over China, which was in the planning stages for a long time. You remember one of the founding Jesuits, Xavier, Francis Xavier, spent his whole life virtually and the entire premise of his mission work with quotes, uh, militarily targeting and penetrating the impenetrable language barriers and cultural customs and weird religious perspectives of the Chinese people at that time. And so it's been in the works for a long time. So it wasn't just by luck and by political wisdom and really good politicking that Mao Zedong was able to flip over the entire nation and take it. 
But it was just like what happened with the Bolsheviks. There was gold coming in with Leon Trotsky and with from New York, right? So they sent in the professional agitators, the professional revolutionaries with high-end financing to make sure that the czar didn't recover and come back. Same thing happened in China. It, this is just the pattern. This is the, the way that they operate. And so you can see that the plan here is to bring America down, get us to where we can be beaten militarily. And, and we have a lot of issues now with these carrier fleets that are being brought over to, to help Israel and the Middle East because these, these carrier fleets and all the ships that go with them are totally exposed there in the water. And I have a terrible feeling that pretty soon we'll, we're going to be reporting that some of those ships are down. And so that's where this is all going to begin. This is where the powder keg begins. There's all these fault lines between North Korea and South Korea, between China and the West, between Israel and the rest of the Middle East. Everywhere you go in the world, there's these pre-positioned partitions and powder kegs that are ready just to go off. Planning that's been going back, and yet you have to go back and report again on Albert Pike, the grand, you know, grand wizard of the Freemasons or whatever, the grand master who actually put together and helped to solidify the grand lodge of the Supreme Council, the 33rd degree, et cetera, et cetera. The, you know, Scottish Rite. And so the Scottish Rite mirrors, and, and to a great extent, the York Rite out of London and the uh, the, the or Grand Orient Lodge, which is a separate charter altogether out of, centered mainly in France. And so, so these are the structures that are used that connect the guildsmen, the builders, and the workmen with the elites. And those, those are the, the foundational craft halls that were developed as fraternal orders that would ultimately be taken over by the Illuminati in 1773 and on. And so you can see that we are here to expose this information and to the greater extent that we are going forward in time and we can see that there's a time of persecution that's coming. It's prophesied in scripture. It's being written about by the elites in their own words. It's being planned out in the horrifying policies that are coming out of the United Nations and the State Department in Washington, D.C. and the World Economic Forum, et cetera, et cetera, the World Health Organization. What an abomination. What an outright, total Machiavellian attempt to subvert America and the world even further under these schemes with, you know, this disgusting attempt to create a treaty, which right now it's not a total treaty, but if they get some kind of like World Health Organization treaty in place, we're going to find ourselves totally enmeshed in a biosecurity state like the world has never, ever seen before. The ability to enslave and tyrannize and destroy us and impoverish us will just be unlimited. So it all goes along with the, the central bank cryptocurrency. Anything central bank needs to just, you know, we've been, in America has been in, in the history and in the, the business of killing central banks. We, we right now need to kill the Federal Reserve and put it out of existence. So we no longer use it and it no longer exists just like the FBI. Those are the kind of decisions we need to make as Americans. And because of the, the violence and the deception and the twisted demagogic rhetoric that we see coming out of Washington, the sophistry of Washington, D.C., the lies, that carefully orchestrated system of lies. So we, we have to do away with this whole thing. Politically. We just have to get rid of it. And you can see that the elites in Washington, D.C. are friends with the elites in the Chinese Communist Party, who are really friends with the elites at Davos. And so as they begin to plan against us and to create wars where the rich will sit in their ivory towers and the rest of us will have to go kill each other to serve their purposes, I mean, we have to rethink this. What is America's army, the Air Force? So what is it? I mean, what kind of directive now does it have if the entire system of governance in Washington, D.C. is becoming tyrannical and it's admiring us against our will in bottomless pit of debt that our great, even our future generations will never have a chance to even pay off? How do we tell these people no? How do we exit? No, it's
He's he's wanting he's wanting everybody to believe that the downfall of the monarchical uh, powers in Europe is is behind and the people behind that are the Jews and uh, the Protestant. What you get when you start talking to these people, you start digging into their thought process, is that behind the rise of the Jews is the Protestant Reformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, the the Protestant Reformation is is what is the platform upon which the Jews have risen to power in the West. They they killed off and supposedly the you know the communist regimes that rise up in France and other areas in Russia. Somehow that's connected to the Protestant Reformation. How they pull that piece of gymnastics off is is beyond me, but. Uh, it's all, all this, the communist movements and the revolutions, the American Revolution. It's all connected. It's a Jewish conspiracy to for Jews to gain power. Okay, that that's what this is about. Okay, that's what these guys think. All right, so I, I we, we we just need we just need to start at the beginning of European history. Eric, can you tell us who were the first international bankers in Europe? Can we talk about this? the first? Yes, we did. The first international bankers in Europe were the Knights of Templars. Are they Jews? They ran everything. <laughs> were those no, Jews? They're, white, they're yeah. white Gentiles, Frenchmen particularly. Yeah. I, uh, well, you have, a, you have a suppression of Templars in uh, what, 1312 by the Pope, Clement V, mm -hmm. and encouraged by Philip the Fair, who was the uh, King of France. And that's why they burned Jacques de Molay at the stake, because he was the head of the Templars. So the Templars were absolutely white Gentiles running the banking of Europe, and not only Europe, because you see the Templars were, were having a trade around the world. They were the yeah. big shippers. Mm -hmm. So, no, they were the first, but there were some Jews that were also uh, 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 bankers at the time, but they were subordinate to the Templars, and they were called the Fuggers. Fuggers, okay. and you can read about them in Ridpatch Universal History. Okay. So the Jesuits, the Jesuits have done the same thing, because remember, the Jesuits are the new Knights Templars, so they have then sought to use certain Jews as front men to make it look like the Jews run everything, when the fact of the matter is the ten Roman families are the gigatrillionaires, the big bankers. In fact, the, the head of the European bank there in Europe, his name was Draghi, he's an Italian knight of Malta. But nobody mm -hmm. talks about him. So we want to take our time to work and inform you about what our the scope of our plans are and, and how we're operating and what we are hoping to accomplish as we go forward in time. And we have uh, we're people who are working hard, who have families to take care of, who have to be concerned about the hyper aggressive, hyper political tyranny that's coming out of Washington D.C. And we're all you know it's terrifying to look at these judiciaries completely out of control, sending people to prison for for the rest of their lives, or you know the mother of eight who's going to go to prison for five years because she literally did nothing and she wasn't remorseful enough. Right. She should have bootlicked harder. Maybe she would have, you know, so these, these power pigs up there are completely out of control. They're completely deranged. They're the power and the, the authorization for the, uh, for the scope of the, the overreach of their power is completely beyond the pale. We have to go back and question a lot of the, the source of the establishment of many of these courts. Are they extensions of the, the burgeoning military government there? Or are they really de jour constitutional courts? Are they Article Three courts? Or the, the Article One federal legislative power grab courts, right? 
So a lot of these magistrate judges and these alternate commander-in-chief power structure circuits that are established in Washington, D.C. are outside the bounds of the constitutional purview, right? So they're, they're completely out of control and going beyond the simple expression of their tyrannical overrule. Now they're going to completely cheat. And uh, Hillary Clinton kind of stalks out to threaten us all. And we have, uh, we have a lot of work to do here. To, to get we, the American people, informed and capable of getting ourselves together, capable of learning and recognizing that we have to get beyond the control grid, digital technocracy, smartphone enslavement, and we have to recognize that our books are still on the shelves, right? We, haven't, we don't have the Fahrenheit 451 guys around burning books yet, so we still have time. We still have time to learn. That's why we're calling on you now to, to learn more about the book club and to join up the book club here. And right now, we got to take a look at a quick little manuscript here, The Terrorist Next Door, The Militia Movement and the Radical Right. All right, that's a major issue. That's a major issue. And you can see that on so many levels, the, the Patriot Movement is going to be facing the demagogic and sinister villainy of Washington, D.C., as they're provoked on every, every level to uh, be suited and entrapped by the federal government and all their associates there. And uh, attempted to uh, to be prosecuted. Look at the, the Gretchen Whitmer case. That wicked and vile Jezebel pig up there. What a vile monster, right? Just to to kind of warm up the tyranny machine within the FBI before January sixth, right? And just grab some dupes and then uh, basically try to ruin their lives and send them to prison. Supposedly trying to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, nobody wants to kidnap that rich woman, and nobody tried. It's all it's all make believe, federal hype prosecuting a ham sandwich. And so that's that's what they're doing to Trump now, right? That's what they're doing to January 6th victims up there in that Bastille, the hellhole, the Inquisition dungeons there, the Jesuit train, lawyers, right? Fordham graduates and Georgetown graduates. They love, they love to see these wretched heretics and uh, political liberals which they, these guys call themselves conservatives, but according to the doctrine of the, the maniacs in the Jesuit order, these are liberals and heretics, Protestants and Jews, right? That's what the, um, the Inquisition, the Roman Inquisition, many, 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 many centuries, hunting us down. And that's why, of course, as we say often in the show, that's why America was founded. America was founded to protect the people against these tyrannical powers that we're seeing here. So let's go and take a look at this book. I'm just going to just start reading here. Just take a look. What I'm really trying to flesh out here is this issue that we keep on seeing with the Aryan conspiracy theory, where the, the Alex Jones show guys, which I, I have some Alex Jones show guys on here, because they, they're pretty informative, but you have these sycophant Alex Jones far-right Nazis who are in agreement with Hamas and Abbas and the Palestinian collective about one thing, and that's this complete erroneous deformity of false revisionist history, which just basically accuses all the Jewish race or anyone that is associated with the Jewish people of being a false Jew or being a Khazarian. So apparently all the real descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all dead. And really what you have today is these fake Jews who are really Khazars because somehow in, in 740, uh, the Khazars really flipped and became the Jews. And there was these, this Khazar empire and it, it, the whole empire one day decided it was going to become Jews and now they're, they're fake Jews. And so, this, of course, I mean, it's the same that Hitler believed. So we'll go into some of this, this information today. And it's, uh, it's pointing out in this book here, you know, that the, the problem that we have on the right is these reactionary right-wing extremists, Council of National Policy, CNP psychopaths. You know, when you go way, way, way past their initial entrance phase and you go deep into their initiation, like the John Birch Society, you go way, way, way past that. And you find yourself really in this anti-Semitic orbit of propaganda and 
fake history and you will see the Palestinians trumping it and they're really propagating it. And the really what I have a problem with is if you go look at articles online, you can see the, the institutes for national health, right? Our, 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 our institutions for national health in America have all these long articles with all these Kazarian anti-Semitic tropes as if it's real history. So I don't know what kind of like squad, you know, anti-Semite, Palestinian, Hamas-loving cunts in the legislature there are putting this documentation, this bullshit history into our, our federal databases, but we need to figure it out. It's problematic. It's false. It's not true. So let me just read a little bit. And this is author Daniel Levitas. I have here in my hand a list of 205, a list of names that were made known to the Secretary of State as being members of the Communist Party and who were nevertheless are still working in shaping policy in the State Department, announced Senator Joseph R. McCarthy at a dinner meeting of the Republican Women's Club in Wheeling, West Virginia, early in February 1950. The junior senator from Wisconsin repeated this accusation the following day in Salt Lake City and often thereafter changing the number of communists each time. McCarthy's accusations inaugurated four years of anti-communist hysteria, the likes of which have never not been seen since the Red Scare and the Palmer Raids in 1919-1920, where McCarthy's charges were erratic and unsubstantiated. His timing was perfect. On January 20th, 1950, Alger Hiss, a former State Department officer, was convicted of perjury and sentenced to prison for lying about his con connection to the communist firing during the 1930s. Quote, Hiss was the quintessential establishmentarian, unquote, according to historian David Bennett. Quote, he was tall, handsome, well-groomed, and upper-class, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant of impeccable credentials. The enemy within, in 1949, was a new breed. Fear of the communist threat gained momentum on June 25, 1950, when North Korea first forces crossed the 38th parallel and invaded South Korea. Two days later, the United Nations Security Council adopted a United States resolution calling for the armed, armed intervention, and President Truman dispatched American troops to the Asian Peninsula. By winter, the war was going badly, and the Americans who had hoped to see the conflict ended by Christmas were forced to accept the reality that 300,000 Chinese, quote-unquote, volunteers had entered the conflict. The House Committee on Un-American Activities renewed its investigations of Hollywood in 1951, lending legitimacy to the books like Red Channels, which claimed 151 Hollywood figures were, quote-unquote, subversive. Mark McCarthy dropped another bombshell on June 14, 1951. In a landmark Senate speech, he viciously attacked former Secretary of State and World War II military hero George Marshall, accusing him of serving Soviet interests throughout his career. McCarthy also labeled Truman and Secretary of State Dean Ackerson an architect of the, quote, great conspiracy, unquote, that produced the 1949 communist victory in China. Of course, Dean Ackerson will just, just pull back. Dean Acheson was, of course, a skull and bonesman. And, of course, the, the Yalis, the Yale and China academic echelon right there was, of course, crucial in selecting Mao Zedong and helping him into power. So it was far beyond just a, a communist conspiracy, as McCarthy would uh, lay the evidence for. But it was a, a skull and bones conspiracy. Of course, skull and bones is a papal knighthood order, and it's a papal knighthood order controlled utterly by... The Jesuit, the Jesuit order, and of course, the powerhouse or the Archbishop of New York, who at the time of Kennedy's death was Spellman, Archbishop Spellman. So let's carry on here. The Great Conspiracy, unquote. 
that produced the victory in 1940, the communist victory in China in 1949. It was this sellout of China that had led to the disastrous situation in Korea, McCarthy argued, in the Hiss case, convinced some Americans that a new breed of elite Bolshevik agents were at work. In the espionage trial and executions of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg in 1953 confirmed the suspicions of anti-Semites who equated Judaism with communism, naturally, of course. So we, we recognize that the, we, we think of the Bolsheviks as the Jews, but of course we have to understand that authors and thinkers, intellectuals like, like Anthony Sutton have explicated to us long ago that the Bolsheviks who were sent to capitalize on the uprising in, in Russia in 1905 or whatever, 1907, and by 1917, they would have an absolute and total complete overthrow of the status quo and the bizarre of Russia. So it wasn't a Jewish conspiracy. It was a conspiracy funded by the Wall Street banking elite, like Brown Brothers and Harriman, Skull and Bones attorney, uh, banking cartels were fast to fund specifically Jewish provocateurs to go over there and get involved and put a Jewish face on the communist international. So the world was to think that communism was Jewish, right? That was the whole concept. So the back to the book. The Rosenbergs, a Jewish couple in their early 30s from New York, were accused of passing atomic secrets to the Soviet Union. They were arrested in July 1950 and convicted in March 1951. Two years later, after numerous appeals and protest rallies, the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre called it a quote-unquote legal lynching. The couple was put to death, the first civilians to be executed for espionage in the United States. Although historian Leonard Dinerstein wrote that polls showed, quote, the Rosenberg case did not significantly alter the declining trend in anti-Semitic expressions, unquote. Nevertheless, rising anti-communist sentiment provided plenty of ammunition for professional anti-Semitism. In 1951, a retired Army Colonel John Obedi published The Iron Curtain Over America, the anti-Semitic, anti-communist polemic that professed to expose the role of, quote, Judaized Khazars, unquote, in European and American history. So this goes back to uh, the exposure of this right-wing anti-Semitic extremism that lines up with Hamas, perfectly lines up with the Mufti of Palestine, and perfectly lines up with Adolf Hitler. And I can't have nothing to do with it. You guys have got to take this Jesuitical sophistry, this anti-Semitical, Judaizing, Khazarist trope, and you got to shove it right up your ass. I'm not having it. And you over there at the Info Wars, and you over there in the War Room with Steve Ann, and all you morons, when you guys start to trot this crap out, it becomes clear that you're just trying to form a new Zentrum party, a new central Catholic extreme right-wing party here in America. And it's not about republicanism of Abraham Lincoln and freeing the slaves and fighting the just cause of Republican constitutional values in America. Now, now, you, you, now you have made the Republican Party into some other thing, into the, some other extremist expression once you drag this Khazarian bullshit and false history into the equation. So let's go into this about Beatty's sophistry. Okay? Beatty's work was heartily embraced by many Christian identity proponents because it substantiated their belief that Jews were religious and racial imposters. A professor of English at Southern Methodist University, Beatty held a PhD from Columbia University. Huh, that tracks. 
and had spent five years in Army intelligence during World War II. As a scholarship, the book was beyond fringe material, but it did much to popularize the quote-unquote Khazar theory among right-wing activists. So this is the, the beginning of a real conspiracy theory, a completely groundless, false, blood libel, weaponized ideology built to frame Christians and Protestant Christians. I mean, Roman Catholicism was already chock full of centuries and centuries old anti-Semitic theology and, and, and dogma. Okay, so we don't, we don't have to worry about the Catholic side. But over here on the Protestant side, it's always been very positive because it's always been very actively enthusiastic, enthusiastically supportive of the descendants of Israel and the Jewish people and the brotherhood and the family of Jesus Christ, who are utterly the central people and the central spirit and bloodline of Christianity, even though we Gentiles over here laud and famously celebrate the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. We also love his beautiful people because his beautiful people are bloodline ancestors and kin to Jesus Christ. And so we, we love his people as much as we love him because they're one people. So this, this Khazarian false replacement theology is very unwelcome and needs to be exposed. That's what we're going to do here. Back to the book. According to which the Jews of Russia, Eastern Europe, such as the ancestors of Bill Kale, were not pure Semites, but had descended from, from converts to Judaism who occupied the Mediterranean kingdom of Khazaria in Central Asia. Originally, a monarchy populated by non-Jews, the kingdom's loyal family and nobles suddenly converted to Judaism in 740 AD, and many commoners followed suit. The story of the kingdom's mass conversion I have yet to find anything historically that shows that somehow there was a mass conversion of Khazaria to Judaism. Now, this is the year 740 when supposedly this happened. And it's not very long after this uh, period in time in history when Michael McCormick nominated the year 536 as the worst year in history, the worst year to ever be alive because of the extreme weather events caused by volcanic eruptions which darkened the world, causing temperatures to drop and the decline of crop failures and worldwide famine which and darkness, which lasted for well over a year. That's a famous time in 536, which was apparently the worst year in history. And, and basically history just is like a record that bumps. History just goes completely on tilt at this point. And there's really no clear record of, any, uh, of anything but absolute chaos and a, a mass starvation in history. So we're going to jump forward now a century and a half in time, and we're supposed to believe that somehow these geniuses, these technical scholars, these historical doctorates, have figured out that Khazaria just totally converted to Judaism out of nowhere. And we're just supposed to accept that. that that's a true thing, that that really happened. Now, I believe that at that time, going to the 6th century, you have the rise of Islam over in Arabia, and you have the, the very many developments within the context of the religious tradition in Rome, so that the advent of the Pope is really in full swing right now. And there's a real merger. There's a real mixing and, and a merger between the thinking of Islamic scholars at first as they come out, become part of the, the history of the world, and they're beginning to vie for their own autonomy from the papal powers. And at some point, they, um, they refuse to return the captured city of Jerusalem. And they build the Dome of the Rock there, and they, they tell the Pope to go kick, you know, kick rock. But until that point, they were, uh, they were all in agreement. The Popes uh, didn't do anything to try to stop them. They were knocking out all the, the heretics and Jews and all the people that, uh, 
the Roman papacy really didn't like, and they were they were totally good with the Islamic generals who were there to prosecute the will of Allah and the doctrine of Muhammad, right? But as soon as they wouldn't give the Pope his city back, he had to go back and read historical letters back and forth. As soon as they, uh, the Pope asked to get his city to, for it to be handed over, because of course he had funded the Holy See in the uh, early proto-Vatican had funded the, the Islamic generals into existence and financed a lot of their campaigns. So that's something that we need needs to be said about history. So let me go back in here and look at the history of Khazaria in Central Asia. Sorry, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see a replacement for Judaism. I don't see some kind of like false synagogue of Satan or whatever. I, I think the synagogue of Satan is Rome, right? It doesn't suggest that they are Jews because they're a synagogue. It just suggests that they have operated themselves as supposedly a holy place of God, a holy place of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's originally always what uh, what Rome purports to be. It purports to be a, a religion of Jesus Christ. I mean, but of course it is not. So it's a synagogue of Satan. And they like to have all this replacement theology. They like to replace Israel out of the scriptures and just put themselves in. They like to teach that Israel is no longer relevant in the scriptures, but now it's the the Holy Roman Mother Church, the government of God on earth that has all the authority and, and replaced the failed Jews. They, they failed, so they're no longer the apple of God's eye. They're, they're, they're nothing. They're just Ashkenazic, uh, false Jews. They're Khazarians. So they, they, they can just be swept away because we now have the, the Roman Catholic Vicar of Christ, and he handles all the, the Mashiach business with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jesus. We don't need Jews anymore. Right? That's, that's false. That's false teaching. That's replacement theology. So let's carry on with this interesting reading here. Advocates of the Khazar theory add a twist. Descendants of the converts eventually migrated westward and formed the nucleus of European Jewry. This idea not only delegitimized Ashkenazic European Jews as people, but advocates of the Khazar theory also used it to attack the legitimacy of Israel by claiming Jewish war refugees had no claim to their homeland because they were counterfeit race. According to Beatty, Judaized Khazars, quote-unquote, were an indigestible mass of Bolsheviks in the body politic, unquote. Out of Russia, who came to America and became a powerful but inassimilable, that means that they can't be assimilated, minority of communists and atomic spies, right? So this was just another complex anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, anti-Israeli state hate conspiracy. And you hear blathered about on Infowars. They're trying to sell you their power pro 10 super juice vitamins. Give you real testosterone back and give you some atomic molecular iodine. Blah, 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 blah. And then also here's some anti-Jewish tripe and some, some tropes about how they're Ashkenazic Khazarian Jews. They're not real Jews, they're Khazarians. So if Hamas blows them up, it, it's all good, right? I mean, fuck this, man. Tired of it. Where's, uh, where's Jay Dyer talking? Why don't you talk about how ridiculous it is to suggest that the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all across the world are somehow just some false people. And the, the real Jews just disappeared and, and fell into a crack in the earth, and then out pops false Jews to take their place. Right? So this is what we're supposed to believe, this Jesuitical lies. Let, let me back up. Let me just read some more. Beatty's book enjoyed no fewer than 18 printings from 1951 to 1960. Both Gerald L.K. Smith and Gerald Winrod enthusiastically recommended it. Of course, but so did Hida Hopper, Hollywood's top gossip column, who called it, quote, the most revealing and frightening book that came to my desk in ages, unquote. Though published only six years after the end of World War II, the book defended Germany as the, quote, historic bulwark of 
Christian Europe. Yeah, the Nazis, that's what they were. They were the bulk Christian Europe. And waxed nostalgic about the author's visit there in 1936. Beatty had a single, simple explanation for America's conflict with Germany. Khazars and the Democrat Party. Instigated the war to kill as many Aryans as possible, right? <laughs> all right, carry on. Not all attacks on Jews during this period were on the printed page. The screeds of Beatty and others encouraged bigots who preferred action to mere words. 18 bombs detonated in Miami in 1951 alone, destroying synagogues, Catholic churches, and black homes. The explosions were the work of Klansmen and others. Although anti-Semitism was on the decline overall in 1951, confidential reports prepared for the American Jewish Committee noted that, quote, approximately 50 old-line anti-Semitic groups and leaders remain from the hundreds of units that flourished during the pre-Pearl Harbor days, and they by no means constitute an index of the decline of the anti-Semitic activity. So since 1946, the report noted the trend of infiltration of anti-Semitism into conservatism, patriotic, and other movements has become apparent. Far-right groups had failed during World War II because they had too closely allied themselves with Nazis and other easily identifiable enemies of America, the report explained. Quote, but today the situation is different. Communism is the enemy of America, and the new anti-Semitic strategy is for demagogues to gain respectability by association with reputable causes. The respectable organizations and institutions, while at the same time publicizing the equation of Jews with communism, the New York Times agreed, once the main objects of the anti-Semitic movement is to penetrate United States and British democratic organizations by taking advantage of the rising tide of anti-communism. So we'll just leave it there. It's, it's an interesting snapshot an excerpt from this particular book here, and we'll add it in the show notes. And we'll just show here how the proliferation of this false and erroneous revisionist history, this anti-Semitic trope of Khazars, can easily be found once again as we go forward here. We can show this article, Abbas and the Khazar claims, separating myth from facts. So we have Abbas, the supposed leader of the Palestinians, the political leader. I'm sure he's not connected with Hamas whatsoever, right? So let's read into the article. Chairman Mahmoud Abbas of the Palestinian Authority has quickly raised a long discarded historical claim used to deny Israel's right to exist. A right recognized by his predecessor, Yasser Arafat, as a key component of the Oslo Accords 30 years ago. In an August 24 speech to Fatah's Revolutionary Council convened in Ramallah, Abbas asserted that Ashkenazic Jews whose ancestors led the Zionist drive to establish a Jewish state, are not descendants of the ancient Hebrew tribes, the children of Israel of the Old Testament, and therefore have no claim to see how, see how useful that is. That's handy. Let's carry on here with the article. While also claiming that Hitler killed the Jews, quote, only because they dealt with usury and money, unquote, Abbas adopted the academically refuted theory that European Jews originated instead a millennia ago from the Khazar Empire, located in contemporary southeastern Europe, whose royal dynasty and aristocracy are reported by medieval sources to have converted to some form of Judaism. Quote, the truth that we should clarify to the world is that European Jews are not Semites. They have nothing to do with Semites, declares Abbas. Quote, the story began in 900 CE in the Khazarian kingdom of the Caspian Sea. It was a Tartar kingdom that converted to Judaism in the 11th century. His empire collapsed and all its population fled to the north and to the west. And they left Russia and western and eastern Europe. And they have spread 
and are the forefathers of the Ashkenazi Jews, unquote. So there, there's the full pronunciation and diabolical misappropriation of false history to accomplish the goal, right? It's, it's easy to just, just make up revisionist, debunked rudiments of, you know, supposed medieval history. And of course, the, the Jesuit order has been around since the 1540s. So we'll have to do a little bit of research and to find out where this false Khazarian, you know, blood libel, this false conspiracy theory targeting the Jewish people to where it is coming from. Let's get back here to the article. Raising this issue signals that Abbas is backing down from Arafat's letter to Prime Minister Rabin December 9, 1993, four days before the signing ceremony at the White House, and is stepping up his rhetoric to delegitimize the very essence of the Jewish links to the Holy Land. Arafat's letter stated that, quote, the PLO recognizes the right of the state of Israel to exist in peace and security. PLO affirms that those articles of the Palestinian Co Covenant 1968, which deny Israel's right to exist, and the provisions of the covenant, which are inconsistent with the commitments of this letter, are now inoperative and are no longer valid. Unquote. Such claims are not new. Indeed, they are pernicious history of their own. But separating myth from fact, when it comes to the Khazars, it is key to delegitimizing this claim. It should be noted, be noted that Abbas has his facts about the Khazar Empire wrong. They were not Tartar. Rather, they were a Turkic people. And their conversion took place, according to these medieval historians, between 740 and 865. And I fail to see how people converting to the ideas of in the biblical texts, the ideas of Moses and the law of God and converting to these ideas, how that makes them suddenly a replacement for the Ashkenazi Jews, right? So this is just all histrionics. It's all just Hamas meets right-wing extremist Nazi group bullshit, right? That's all it is. His prime minister, Mohammed Shatay, also had his dates wrong when declaring on June 26, 2021, Quote, present-day Jews are Khazar Jews who converted to Judaism in the 6th century. And regardless of the historical inaccuracies about the Khazar dynasty itself, both statements are instead the product of a more recent and dangerous historical trend reviving the case offered by the late Syrian president Hafez al-Assad against the justification of a Jewish homeland. These assertions follow to, in the vein of numerous Arab writers who had produced a number of volumes over the past five decades, including the Ashkenazi communities as refugees from the destruction of the Khazar Khaganate by Prince Sivasklav in Kiev, 965 AD. Right? Promoting this false narrative has not just been the effort of Palestinian and Syrian politicians. Many Egyptian and Saudi and Lebanese intellectuals like Hamas have also been drawn into the narrative that deprives contemporary Jews of pre-medieval Jewish lineage and their history connecting them back to their land. Books dealing with the subject are still on, on sale all over the region, and these theories are widely available across the internet. So here, I'll add this article in here. I just uh, I can't read anymore. But this is the effort here. This is the effort to depopulate your mind of the delusions and the mania and the lies in this insidious move towards attacking people of God, which is a sin which these people have a blessing on them, and there's absolutely no historical evidence that they are not the Jewish people of the Bible, and who are not totally entitled to the land. And so I'm, I'm not here to be an advocate of just pro-Zionist, pro-Jewish ideals. Okay, I'm an Irishman. I love America. I'm fighting for freedom here in Florida. Okay, but I have to recognize the fact that the Bible mandates that God will see to it to protect his people and to protect the word of God, his written word, which is the, the Torah and the Tanakh, right, and the prophets, 
and in the law and the, the covenant and the, you know, all the, the writings of Joshua, the Proverbs and the Psalms, all that, the Bible, this is the providence of God and just as, as his, are, are his people. And just this little pathetic, thin conspiracy theory, Kazarian Jew bullshit is not going to make me change my love and my commitment and my prayer for peace for the people of Israel. But they will do this in the face of the fact that Loyola was number one, the Spanish nobleman mm -hmm. of the House yeah. of Loyola. Yeah. He was a military warrior. He was a, he was a Spanish Templar. Um, he, was, he was of noble blood. And yeah. uh, he hated the Jews, according to Boyd Barrett. And Boyd Barrett was a, was a Jesuit for many years. He left the order. He never became an overlord. He was never saved. But he wrote a book. Two books. One of them is called The Jesuit Enigma. Okay. And the other book he called, another book he wrote is called Rome Stoops to Conquer. Okay. It's those books that tells you that Loyola never said any good thing or anything of such of a sort of about Jews. Oh, okay. okay. And Francis Xavier says in Rome Stoops to Conquer, he said, Give me a place where there are no Muslims or Jews. Yeah. And Francis Xavier was Loyola's right hand man, who went to you know uh, India. Oh, you know. And, uh, and folks, I just want you to know that, that that kind of attitude towards the Jews is traditional and and correctic that, that in Roman Catholic theology. Okay, I just want to give you two classic quotes from uh, major early church Roman Catholic uh, theologians. This is coming from Justin Martyr in his Dialogue with Trifo, chapter 16, quotation. For the circumcision according to the flesh, which is from Abraham, was given for a sign that you may be separated from other nations. And he's talking to Jews, by the way. And from us, and that you alone may suffer that which you now justly suffer, that your land may be desolate and your cities burned with fire and that strangers may eat your fruit in your presence, and not one of you may go up to Jerusalem. For you are not recognized among the rest of men by any other mark than your fleshly circumcision. For none of you, I suppose, will venture to say that God neither did nor does foresee the events which are future, nor foreordained his deserts for each one. Accordingly, these things have happened to you in fairness and justice, for you have slain the just one and his prophets before him. Now, here is... The, the most popular Roman Catholic theologian that was used during the Nazi regimes in Germany, his name is John Chrysostom. He was a notorious anti-Semite. This man was unbelievable. He, he, wrote, he wrote numerous works against the Jews. His most famous works, most quoted by the Nazis, was his Eight Homilies Against the Jews. Okay, and you can read the, the Nazi use of this work in Walter Lacour's book, The Changing Face of Antisemitism. And this is just one quote from uh, Chrysostom's homilies, quote, For they brought the books of Moses and the prophets along with them into the synagogue, not to honor them, but to outrage them with dishonor. When they say that Moses and the prophets knew not Christ and said nothing about his coming, what greater outrage could they do to those holy men than to accuse them of failing to recognize their master, than to say that those saintly prophets are partners of their impiety? And so it is that we must hate both them and their synagogue all the more because of their offensive treatment of those holy men. Okay? The seething hatred that, that Chrysostom has for the Jews, it's, it's all over his writings. It's all over. 
So we're just going to carry on from that little reading, that fascinating book there. And uh, I think it's important to point out to you that from our vantage point, there is less and less of a meaningful divide in America with these right versus left politics. So as you look carefully on both sides of the equation, you can see that papists and Jesuit trained to serving the papacy and all of his claims of universal power and spiritual hegemony across the whole face of the earth and heaven and hell and everywhere. So, so here comes, and, and of course the, the Americans nowadays are so dumbed down they, they haven't read anything. They, you know, they look on the wall and there's some carved masonry stone and it says that, you know, Loyola is, is smart and wise as Archimedes and Plato. And surely it's got to be true, right? I mean, who, who are we? Just some mere university students to question the the great minds of the ages. All right, so that's what we're dealing with, guys. We're dealing with a subversion, not just of academia and knowledge, but of all of history itself. In a retelling and a recounting of the historical narratives couched in, you know, the veneration of philosophy and education, illumination and knowledge, right? That's why we'll put Ignatius Loyola up on the chart. Of course, the guy's name was Inigo Lopez. Okay, Inigo Lopez is the man's name. He was, you know, vaunted and raised up to great, great heights. He changed his name through his legendary struggle to overcome himself and, and to raise himself up mystically to another spiritual level with all this spiritual exercises. They don't bring demon possession. No, no. Now these, these mystical experiences of, of Loyola or Lopez or what, what have you, these mystical experiences are healthy and they're wonderful. And you should embrace them, right? You should, we should all go shut ourselves into a, a dungeon and go through the, the weeks and weeks of the spiritual exercises of Loyola because he's so intelligent. He's so philosophically smart. He's like Socrates. Of course, if I go back and look at the writings of Socrates and Plato and those guys, they, I mean, I mean they, they're lacking too. What, what kind of great, marvelous, spiritual illumination do these hacks give us? The Greeks, right? I guess, you know, it was it was the Stone Age, it was the Bronze Age, or whatever. They uh, they did the best they could with their geometry and their sticks. And Pythagoras. I mean, everyone lauds these people. They get down on their knees and they worship the cult of numbers. They worship at the shrine of Pythagorean mysticism and Archimedes and Plato and Loyola, right? But my contention and my issue here is with this sick and depraved maniac, Indigo Lopez or Ignatius Loyola, however you want to couch the propaganda or how you want to tell yourself the story. Of course, the Jesuit order is out there spreading their, proliferating their propaganda everywhere about the great Loyola. The great Loyola, how wonderful and great was he, right? He really helped the world. But we have to look at uh, with critical eyes because we're on the looking glass forum. And, you know, we have to look with, we're here in the book club, right? We have to, we have to be real. We have to be serious. We can't just take part in the dribble, in, in the mind-numbing and degenerate academia that we see kind of being pushed out today, that will embrace the idea that men can get pregnant. We'll embrace the idea that somehow women can turn into men, and that, that's today's science. And COVID, and Fauci's COVID vaccine was good for us. Let's take some more, right? That, that's, that's today's academic, paramount intellectual development. Whoa, so impressive, guys. So we're avoiding you like the plague, all of your ill-informed ideological point of view, this whole notion that somehow there is really no spiritual dynamic. I mean, of course, the Jesuits are on the forefront of this. So you have to go back and look at individuals like Teilhard de Chardin, right? Teilhard de Chardin, a paleontologist, a supposed scientist. He was a forerunner 
and the, the thinking about artificial intelligence a long, long time ago in the 1950s and 60s. And he was a forerunner developing this idea like we talked about many times in this show, developing the idea and trying to get this false evidence built into the historical record, built into the scientific community's thinking about the Piltdown hoax. You go look up the Piltdown hoax, you look up Teilhard de Chardin, you'll see the level that these Jesuits will stoop to, stooping down low like infiltrators and cutthroats and brigands and blackguards, right? That's where you get the idea of blackhearts. When you're a blackheart, you're a blackguard. There's another pirate term for you. And so when you're a blackguard and you're a blackheart, you're utterly and totally a deceiver and a manipulator and a liar, all right? So that your inner soul is totally sold out to do the will of your general, the Jesuit superior general, right? The superior general in a military sense, right? So your absolute commander and your spiritual father and your ghostly father, right, who can withhold, even from the Pope, can withhold absolution of sins, right? Because a pope cannot sit with any confessor who is not a Jesuit. Huh, isn't that interesting? Isn't Roman Catholic theology and history interesting? So it leads us back to, we have to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, not this popular anti-Semitic trope that attempts to put the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the Israelite families down through his history, Sephardic, Ashkenazic, what have you. And it, it attempts to cover up the conflict that has been everlasting between the Roman papacy and the Jewish people. And the Jewish people are a very sturdy people. And they didn't just get wiped away like the Waldensians did. And there was the Gallicans in France. And the, the Inquisition of Rome wiped them away. And you had the Huguenots of France. And they, they broke the Edict of Nantes. They took away their religious freedom and they butchered them all. Right, that's, that's been the consistent move of history over time here. The big grand scale game board, God's eye view vision of what's been happening is that it's been a constant onslaught, an unrelenting total onslaught and destruction of the people of the book. That's what in Islam, that's what you call them. The Christians and Jews are the same. They're not separate. Christians and Jews, they think they're separate, right? And, 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 and Protestant Reformation Christians who hold to the texts of the Bible are the ones who, who hold valuable the Jewish people so much because it says in the book how special they are. It says how, how, how blessed you are if you keep faith with these people, with the people of Israel, and if you bless them, you'll be very blessed. That's what it says. And of course, you don't have to believe that. You don't have to believe anything. You, you can go believe the Bhagavad Gita. You can go believe the Book of Mormon. You can go believe in Roman Catholic doxology because they don't really believe in a Bible. They just believe in whatever's popular at the moment, whatever the priests or the popes tell you right now. That's the truth. If they suddenly decide that the, the Pope has the powers of infallibility and they just stamp a paper and ha 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 ha, then all of a sudden, yeah, he's, in, he's infallible. That's what they say. So people have the power, like we were always saying, to believe whatever they want. But if you believe in the book, the book says that these are the people and the chosen people of God and they're blessed. And you can like it or not like it, but that's what it says. You go over to Islam, you look in their book and it says these people are cursed by Allah. It says that Islam is the true religion of Abraham and it isn't Isaac that got the blessing who's the, the patriarch father of the Jews. It was Ishmael who got the blessing of Allah from Abraham. That's what the Quran says. So it switches it. It's an inverted hermeneutic. It switches it around and changes the people who are the holy race and the holy blessed people of God and changes it over to these, uh, I guess, Muslims. It's not really very clear because it's not really very clear because Muslims are all over the place. They're Persians. They're in North Africa. John Jaweed militias. They're in uh, Arabia. So I'm not really sure who this bloodline family of Ishmael is exactly maybe some Arab family, maybe some Hagarites who are the descendants of Hagar. But 
Maybe they're Egyptians, right? It wasn't Hagar an Egyptian? Maybe the blessed people of God are, are Egyptians. Like many things on the Quranic side with the Muslims and the Surahs and the Hadiths, it's, it's not really very clear. It doesn't really make any sense. It's like a bunch of newspaper clippings from different centuries pasted together. It's bullshit, okay? You can go read it. It's bullshit. You'll figure it out. But this is a religion for people who can't read, right? Isn't the main thing about Islam just listening to the one guy who can read? It's like the one guy with the, the eye who's the king in the land of the blind men or something. So the one guy who can read sits up in the madrasa and tells all the other people who will never be able to read or write or do any math what the one book says, and if they don't believe it, they get chopped, right? So we're dealing with Stone Age, Neolithic, Bronze Age, caveman violence, right? It's caveman violence, right? They're going to come down, they're going to shoot rockets in Israel, rape a bunch of women. It's caveman stuff, guys. So when we sit back and pretend like this is a religion of peace, you're fooling yourself. You're just being, you're succumbing to the delusion. The Islamic texts as a philosophy are nothing if not totally genocidal, totally murderous, and totally diabolical and deceitful. So, you, you know, you have to practice taqiyya in Islam, which is religious lying, which is you lie to everyone religiously or, or just whatever you want. Instead of the commandment saying you shall not lie, it says you shall lie whenever it's convenient. That's what it says. So I guess, you, you know, maybe if you guys don't read it, you're not familiar with it, you think that Hamas and Israel should, should cease fire and hug each other like brothers. It's not going to happen. These ideological contexts are so completely set against each other. They're so diametrically opposed, like fire and water. They, can, they can't just mix and hug and make up. It's not going to happen. It's going to lead to Armageddon. It's going to lead to the apocalypse. It's written in our books. I mean, not in the Islamic one. I mean, they're just, just ravings of a lunatic. But if you go over to the Bible, you have songs, poetry, histories, chronicles, numerical accounts, prophecies, spiritual teachings, psalms and proverbs, all the writings of, of, of Solomon. Maybe you guys don't know. I don't know. Do you know? All the prophets are in there. Not just one madman, psycho prophet named Muhammad who couldn't even read. And somebody else whispered it. And Gabriel whispered it in his ear. And somebody else wrote it down. Shut up. Get out of here with that. All you who are, who are cursed with, those, with that deceptive false religion are doomed by believing in, in lies. Just like a uh, if you get the miscue, right, if you get the information wrong, if there's a burning building and you're supposed to go out the exit, but you misunderstand, you go up the stairs and you burn up. It's, it's, just, it's as consequential as that. You got the wrong score. You got the wrong information. You got the wrong data. Nothing works without the correct, accurate, precise information. Genetics, neural networks, cybernetics, the internet. I mean, everything based on information and data, including cells, including spiritual awareness and, and, and the spiritual awakening into truth, requires precise exact data. It can't just be whatever you want. I choose to have this. I really hate the Jews. I really, I, I believe Muhammad is the real last prophet, blah, 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 blah. You wouldn't even have a Muhammad concept of a prophet if you hadn't had the 5,000 years of Jewish history and all their writings come before it. Outmatch it with tr the true light of historical reality. Of course, archaeologists go with the Bible, not the Quran, to, to archaeological digs to find stuff. You want to find Nineveh? Go to the Bible. So we're working here, once again, reaching out to you, inviting you to come on in, as you already are, as you already are intrigued by what we're doing here, by the information that we're trying to slowly parcel out. And it's it's meaningful, it's consequential, it, it makes a difference because real information and real true facts align with the historical reality, and they vivify a true explication of historical reality and, and truth. So, I mean, and all the lies, they just don't, they don't uh, hold up. All the practiced uh, dissipation and the practice deceptions, they just fall apart when the truth comes in. So, blowing up Israel will not change the fact that you have a false God. Overcompensating and trying to get Allah to act, right? Allah won't kill for you. He won't kill his enemies for you, so you have to kill Allah's enemies for him. Because there's nothing there. Hello, Allah! 
where have you gone? Have you gone on a long trip far away? Because you, you can't hear our voices. We're, we're praying to you Allah five times a day, bowing down, bowing down, Allah, oh, go kill the Jews. He, he, he can't hear you. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Allah can't hear you. Allah is false. Allah is not true. That's why you have to constantly perform this violence, this ceremonial religious violence against the, your, your stated enemies. And if you had the correct information, you know that these people are the people of God who received the blessing from Abraham, not Ishmael. Ishmael received a secondary consideration by God, not Allah, right? Yahweh. So we have all the, these contexts really confused. And, and they can't be brought together to ceasefire. They can't be brought together to make peace because one is a lie and the other is the truth. One is going to prevail, right? A false god like Allah or Baal can't prevail against Yahweh, guys. All the Hamas rockets in the world can't prevail against the God of Israel. So that's what it's all about. It's not, it has nothing to do with all these little undermining ideological references in history to try to, there's a medieval history that says that the Jews are really Khazarians and they're, they're really not Jews. They're false Jews, right? Isn't that, isn't that the trope? Isn't that the, isn't that the Alex Jones right-wing nutcases on Steve Bannon believe this Khazarian lie? Hitler believed it, and so does Abbas, so does the leader of the Palestinian Authority and all the Hamas guys. They, they spill out this bullshit, false history trope, and what it does is it covers up the truth with this canned prejudicial racial theory, a prejudicial racial theory against a blood libel against the people of God, and it covers up and blankets over, it makes invisible the true conspiracy, which is the Jesuit order, the Vatican, the Roman papacy has been coveting the land of Israel since time immemorial. Right? Since, since time goes back, before we can even remember with accurate records, before Islam even existed, before Muhammad was even born, the papacy coveted that land. It's in the prophecies. Mount Zion. It's all, it's all in the scriptures, guys. The war over the land, the battle over the mountain there, the, the battle that's going to come between the Antichrist as he comes in to attack and destroy and surround Jerusalem and destroy them. Other people will try to explain away the prophecies in some other way. There are many different facets and every generation of these prophecies being fulfilled in our, in our very viewing and our hearing and in our watching. And some of these other individuals have a very accurate and high degree of precision describing what's going on in the prophecies and in the revelation in Daniel. But let's be real, they fail to understand how this system of a million, a hundred million man army coming from the east, marching across the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers, come against and attack Jerusalem on land. It's not Hamas. Right? It's not some kind of Hezbollah little terror, terror group pussies. This is the biggest army that has ever been recorded in world history. And back, if you go back 100 or 200 years, it was impossible for people to imagine how such a large army could exist. 100,000 men is a lot. 300,000 men. Israel just put 500,000 men on the battlefield. That's a lot of people. Are you talking about a hundred million man army? I mean, who, it wasn't even clear in history in the last hundred years how that could even arise, especially since there wasn't even Israel in the land. They didn't even have, they weren't even back in their land until 1948. People were like, well, the CIA was involved and all, all these other things were involved in putting Israel back. The Rothschilds were involved in putting, you know who was involved in putting God's people back in the land? God was. And God put Nebuchadnezzar on his knees and he put Pharaoh on his knees and he's not scared of Rothschild's little banking bitch boys. That's for you conspiracy nerds to be thrilled. That gets, gets a willy up your leg. That makes you thrilled to think there's these controlling forces behind the scenes and Illuminati of Rothschild. Blah, blah, blah. That, that's, that's all y'all's low-level dialectical. There's a thousand Rothschild families out there. There's Soros. Right? There's dozens and dozens and dozens and innumerable dozens of 
different Rothschild level elite families out there who are Jewish, who are Knights of Malta, who are Knights of the Garter, right? Really rich. Go to the, uh, the Scottish Rite. They have the history and the legacy of the Templar Knights in the Scottish Rite. That's what it is. If you go to the very highest levels of the Scottish Rite, 33rd degree Freemasonry, it's the Templar Knights. They never went anywhere. Not to give away secrets, but the point is that these power structures and these elites and Sir Sir Jacob Rothschild or whoever, they're all just knighthood boys. And they get on their knees to the sovereigns that they serve. And this isn't a Jewish conspiracy. This is a Jesuit one. And so that's what all these people will never be able to understand. That's why we're going to be sent back and forth around in a circle chasing our tails because we're going to continue to be misled. And the position that we're being put in here in America is that we were a country who took our own freedom away from our sovereign. We took our land and our rights and our freedom and our lives and we left and we cut them off. And they're back. They're back here as they've been. They haven't gone anywhere. They're back to retain what is theirs. The people, the place, the things, all this. They figure it's theirs. And by divine right, they're the rightful ruler from God, according to the Pope's. Right? He does his little thing. He makes a little sign in the air and you're the rightful ruler of them. They better submit to you. They better. You can go chop their heads off. You're the sovereign. Right? The Pope decides. The Pope decides if you're the rightful king or not. He sends his prelate over. He approves or disapproves, right? If, if you don't get the, the blessing of the papacy and his prelates, you don't get to take that seat. The papacy has been behind the nobility and the sovereigns and the royalty all this time. That's who our forefathers were fighting against, was that we had a, a right Protestant, Elizabeth, that we had a right Protestant, at least in political leanings, in the person of King James, who people said he was a, a reprobate or this, that. It doesn't matter. He gave the Bible to the people. He understood that popery was slavery. The submission to a, a foreign king in Rome was a betrayal of the sovereignty of that king and his people. In order for a king to have it, just look, look at uh, or Henry Tudor, Henry VIII. What was his whole problem? He couldn't get the papacy to give him permission to have his own authority. Couldn't make his own decisions unless Sir Thomas More or some papal legate told him it was okay. That's not how a kingdom works. A king is the king. He's the sovereign. Let the, the king in Rome run Rome. Let the king in England run England. Let the king in Spain run Spain. What, what is the papal king, the viceroy of Jesus Christ, why is he overruling all these other uh, kings? That's what you need to understand. In, in Revelation, when it says that the kings of the world bow down to the Antichrist, they already do. They already have been. The, the, the power and the throne, the seat, the occult throne of the Antichrist has already been established. It's just all about who's going to be the final Antichrist. Who's going to try to do the mark? You know, we're looking at the whole global system right now. A global currency, global ID, digital ID for everybody. No more borders, right? A, a lifetime income salary where they just pay you just to submit, right? Take it. Take the, take the mark. That's what they want to say. Take take it. Receive the ID. Receive the digital money. Receive the digital, receive the global empire they're building. Choose it. Select it. So now we're going to go forward and show you more how this Kazarian true conspiracy theory nonsense is just another blood liable. It's just another way to undermine the people of God and all these liberals, all these Democrats, all these BLM, burn, loot, murder, racists, all these Antifa fascist Nazis running around in their weird little outfits. I still can't imagine why we haven't gone and just got a street sweeper on and sweep them out. I don't know why. I don't know what we're waiting for. What is wrong with us? Why are we such cowards in this country? What's going to happen? The DOJ is going to come question you. What's going to happen? What happens to them? They're able to operate in the form of a secret society, but they're actually political malignancy and a violent hate group that acts out against the people of the country. We're over here. We're a book club. We're all about we're about raising ourselves up intellectually and learning more information and teaching true information to other people. And it's the power of the information and the knowledge that we're trying to harness and take advantage of here. 
we're not out on the streets like beating people with sticks and, and you know i got i got a, a sign stapled to my baseball bat you know i'm gonna swing it around we don't do that we don't advocate that people go take up arms and you know and try to fight the government no we have to take our government back and get those people kick them out it's gonna take a long time it's gonna be hard many many people are not gonna make it i, I feel like that because they're going to strike out at all of us in every way. They're going to let the people overrun the border with a snack and bring them on in, pat them on the shoulder, give them a hotel room. But you, boy, you go try to get, you go travel in your country. You go try to go through a checkpoint and see if they don't pat you down or hit you with a little air machine to smell your body and see if you got a bomb on you and frisk your little six-year-old's hair and, you know, or you got some metal on you because you're a veteran. Oh, boy, in your body or something, boy, they're going to really have fun with you. You have to take your shoes and socks off and roll up, roll up your pant legs. You have to do the whole thing. You might as well just take your clothes off. That's just you as an American citizen could go from point A to point B so you can travel freely, right? Haven't they, haven't they gave you a travel license yet? Haven't they licensed you to travel, like a permission slip? That's what you have to drive. You have a, a driver license. You're licensed to move, my friend. You have to get a permission slip to move around in your vehicle. Where does that lead to? Oh, we have to go to a digital ID. We have to, we have to keep upping the biometrics. You have to go more and more. Unless I got a problem with DeSantis. I hear him talking all that red meat and saying nice stuff. But what about here in Florida? Why don't you get us away from these digital IDs? DeSantis, why don't you get us away from this, this dangerous use of controlling use of central bank digital currencies? Why don't you get the FBI field office there in Tampa that's here trying to hunt down January 6th protesters. Why don't you get them out of here, DeSantis? What do you, why, are you, why are you such a duplicitous guy? Why are you so two ways? You're out there acting like you're Trump Jr. But on the other hand, you're letting uh, the FBI just run roughshod throughout your entire state, bro. This isn't 1965 or back in the, in, the, in the past when you had like legitimate uses for the FBI. These Gestapo pigs are completely out of control and apparently they're dangerous enough that even the governor of Florida is going to kowtow to them. And we, we are all here in Florida, the citizens of Florida are all endangered and not protected by the office of the governor and by the activities of these foreign investigators, right? These Hessian mercenaries, right? They're from somewhere else. They're not from around here, wherever they're hunting people down in Florida. Or they hunted those people in Michigan. They, they just made up a, a, they're just sitting there making up a complete lie. They're making a fake case up just so they can use it politically to go after the Republican Party. And they're sitting there seriously doing that. Like that's their business. Like they got that badge and the gun, and they're gonna sit here and they're gonna make an enemy of the state out of an entire Republican Party. Like really, man. And if you now we're on a list because we want to discuss this and have an, have a way to, to deal with it. What are all the sheriffs around here? Are they are they scared with their vaginas out like DeSantis? Why isn't DeSantis just confronted directly? What's the problem, bro? Go over and tell federal Hessians that they have limitations in your state. They can't just run around here and, 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 and fucking murder people and kick in doors at 6 a.m. just because they uh, got a message from Joe Biden, who they're illegally prosecuting Trump. Like, this is so mind-bendingly, disturbingly sick, and the American people are in danger. I feel it. You feel it. We all, we all can sense that the powers that are running this Jack Smith operation and all, all these different prosecutors throughout the United States... Once they're corrupted and you can see that they don't have any kind of moral fiber or integrity, that they're going to do whatever they need to do to attack, not crime, not uphold the conditions of the law that they swore an oath to do, but they're going to attack asymmetrically their political opponents around them with their office. Real criminals, they can just run around and they can just commit crime. Got a major problem here, guys. That makes it a tyranny. That makes it unlawful prosecutions and unlawful 
and illegal prosecutors who are now, they're not really state sanctioned and legal prosecutors anymore. Now they're just hangmen. They're just executioners. And they're here to wield the ax and dispatch their enemies. And they're not here in the interest of justice or the, the interest of the American people or, or whatever it is that classically prosecutors used to do. And I'll give DeSantis this one. He went down there to Tampa and he got rid of that prosecutor and threw him out. There's probably about 20 other ones in this, in this state that could get thrown out. I hope not, right? But that is the kind of action that is going to have to be uh, come on the regular basis because these individuals are not even political opponents. They're military provocateurs. They're enemies of the people. They're enemies of the office they hold. They're there to do illegal acts and do it under the cloak of their office, right? That's what all these various Marxian senators and representatives and judges and prosecutors throughout the country are doing. They're, they're enacting an agenda of their own that's separated from their oath and the actual constitutional prerogative that they were, they were cloaked with in their office. So, and now they're going to use their dangerous offices, their weaponized offices, to direct police and direct uh, investigations and direct arrests and direct FBI offices, all these... FBI agents directed at the behest of all these supposed figures of authority and, and, and law enforcement officers, right? We're all supposed to respect and back the blue, respect the office, because they're trying to do right and they're trying to make America better. No, man, we're gone from that. So now it becomes dangerous for the American people to trust the policemen, the investigators, the prosecutors. What are they doing? Why are they investigating? Why are they prosecuting? Why, have you committed a, a breach of the law or are they just making something up? Right? That's what they did to Trump. They did, they're doing to Trump exactly what they did to Jared Kushner's father. Right, where is Jared Kushner's father? Did he ever get out? Did anybody ever get the guy out? Because they just put him in prison, apparently for no reason, right? They just made up a fake reason. Everyone knows the story. I mean, I, I'm, not intimate, I'm not intimately familiar with the facts, but they're doing the same thing again. And we're, we're allowing this. We're all just going to sit here and be like, we've got to be careful because... No, it's time not to be careful. It's time to damn the torpedoes. It's time to take action in the way that we need to do and to get together and to make permanent bonds of affiliation okay, between your, you and your neighbors and between people that you can meet on social media who aren't like investigating you or trying to get inside your friend zone in order to try to put you in prison, right? That's what you got to worry about. We need permanent bands, permanent affiliations, permanent and constructive groups that we can come together in that will stay active even past Biden, even past these current difficulties we're facing in America. The current wars and the current demagoguery and hyper-political persecutions that are coming out of the Gestapo FBI, right? Even after we, we resolve those issues, we need to form associations and fellowships together that are going to continue to stand as sentinels and watchmen over America's future. And that's why we're here advocating. Join the book club, guys. Join our association. Let our association join yours. Let our families begin to, over time to and chat and, and join with you so that we can become and, and we can wield a uniform, singular political voice to defend each other. Because the I'm telling you, the police are not there, right? They're there. You got people out there to, to maintain the status quo of the system and do whatever they're told. As soon as they get some kind of like justification, some kind of supposed law, right? Supposed mischief framed as a law. That's what it says in the Bible. Mischief framed as a law. Any kind of just any kind of executive proclamation or executive order, they're going to run out and they're going to say, "Well, we just got to follow orders. We got to put all these people and load them into the FEMA camps for their own good because it's a really bad virus. There's a bad contagion. There's been a, a city. It's been nuked. Something terrible has happened. So now, now we have the justification. Now the, the extremity and the emergency is so great that everything that's come before can just right. Remember the hysteria of 
9-11 was allowed by, uh, to, to take place. And however you, you know, I wasn't in the cockpit that day. But however that went, it served the agenda of Daddy Bush, Skull and Bones, you know, CIA, Deathmaster, right? We can go back now. Everything comes out over time. Even George Bush, the senior, we're all going to start a new world order coming into view and we will succeed. Blah, 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 right? All the speeches, you know, September 11th, 1991, 10 years before, you know, September 11th, 2001. You can see that they were planning for this atrocity to take place, to take advantage of it, to do exactly what they did. It's very short-lived. The effect of it, the propaganda mechanism of it, the running, the running down of the 9-11 is an in, inside job movement and the controlling of that and the absurd powers given to the in the Patriot Act and even the development of the Homeland Security, all of that is all trash and it was all part of the construction of that manipulation and that scurrilous, murderous event that was allowed to take place on September 11th. So as the future brings this new technotronic era of artificial intelligence and a financial control grid that disallows you to buy things or controls how much money you're allowed to use or not use or records all of your transactions every at every moment this new kind of environment is going to require people to have anonymity and privacy and even real secrecy the kind of real secrecy where you don't bring any of your devices around right you leave them over in the car and you go camping a couple miles away and you don't right you don't bring all the cumbersome and burdensome load of the technotronic prism with you right the algorithm ghetto you just leave it in the car let it die let the battery die and carry on with our lives and be human, right? That, that's what this is about. These human connections are what we're going to need. We're going to need to know familiar faces. When the great Holocaust, the future Holocaust, the global Holocaust comes, we're going to have to hide our Jews or our Lutherans or our Baptists or just our heretics, the people who they're coming to get. We're going to have to hide them. We're going to need to know each other. We're going to need to be familiar with each other. We're going to need to be able to resist on a human way against machine algorithms. And I love how they keep on bringing up this idea that Somehow the computers could get out of control and something we could do. Somehow all the AIs could start to write its own code and they could just go, go crazy. And we won't be accountable for what happens. Isn't that convenient? So this is a really super, super sophisticated calculator. And they can't control what it's going to do. It could even give the order to kill a bunch of people and, and everyone might just obey. Right? I mean, where's this going to go, man? Now they have computers that they, they can't control. Now they want to build in and prescribe and and right into this machinery, the psychotic, transgender, political insanity, right? All their leftist political madness, their pro-Hamas, yeah, it's okay to shoot rockets and rape Israelis because, because of these reasons, because of Kazaria, because of the Kazarians, the Kazarians are not real Jews. Oh, that, that justifies it. That makes everything okay. That clears it all up for us. Go Hamas, go, right? That, that's, this is the thinking and the programming that's going to go into these AIs. It's going to watch anti-vaxxers. Or, you know the new anti-vaxxer? Anti-chippers. They don't want to get chips in their bodies. Can you believe that? we got to watch them. We're going to watch them, right? AI is going to watch them real good. So here we are. We're just introducing to you Skeleton Key 318. All right, there it is. You can come and find us. Because we're going to build and dig in deep for the long haul, the wide view, the 30,000 foot view, right? We're going to entrench ourselves and build ourselves in for whenever there's a blackout and there's no more electrical grid or Wi-Fi. All the perks of civilization, they're gone. Imagine that. Now your apartment building is just a hot, stifling, inconvenient tower of heat. All your food started rotting 20 hours ago. You already started to hear gunshots outside. 
People's cars are being stolen. What are you gonna do? Where are you, where are you gonna go to? Who do you know? Flip through, flip through. Your phone's gonna die in 25 minutes. You're at 8%, better think quick. So let it be known to you that we are building in an installation within our hearts and our minds and within our lives, the ability to survive the apocalypse. Because if you know anything about the Bible and all these ideas about raptures and tribulations, you know that there's gonna come a hard, hard time and it's gonna be hard to survive and many people won't be able to. That's what it says. So, even though you don't want to be a, a philosophy maniac or a Bible thumper, but you might think it's good sense to prepare for a time when all these benefits of technology and Wi-Fi, internet and electricity and running water just might be gone. They might just disappear and all the preppers, they, they might be right all of a sudden. All the survival preppers, they didn't have iPhones, iodine tablets in their water. They're so dumb, right? They're so dumb. They just have all those chickens at their farm with just pumping out eggs every day. Wow, what a bunch of like... What a bunch of mega extremists, right? Well, when the time comes, guys, we are trying to build ourselves up so we can be prepared to take, to have our families and our communities hunker down and be able to survive. Think Amish. Look how the Amish are. They make their own shirts. They make their own cheese. They have a, a spinning wheel where they can spin wool into thread. They can make candles. Imagine that, guys. They don't have Google. And AI doesn't monitor and track them. <laughs> Interesting. So it's, it's hard. It's hard just to give up all the benefits of the world. But you have to build in the secondary analog system behind it. I love going on the internet. I love buying and shopping online. And everyone does. But what, what happens when all that's gone, guys? What happens when it disappears in one blink? No explanation. No warning. All of a sudden, the cell towers are down. You can't call for help. Well, we are established. Our group is established for counting in to the, and banking on the fact that it's certainly absolutely going to happen. For sure. And when that happens, I hope that you will remember us. Think about us, support us, okay? Support our cause and also come, come in to join us, be, be members with us, become part of our little tribe here. And uh, you've been learning, you've been watching the episodes. And you know, when you go out to eat and you receive something and it's beneficial and you take it into yourself and you eat that, you usually have to pay for your meal, right? Well, you're here with us, spending time with us, receiving what we have to give you all the information that might be helpful to you. So you know what, guys? You pay where you eat. So you support us. You're not just there listening as some kind of like entertainment, but you're going to get a dollar out, hook us up on Cash App, send $5, you know, send something over to our Give, Send, Go. But just by all means, do something to support us every chance you get. Okay, guys? And support our sponsor, Wendy'sLimited.com. What a fascinating story that is of the, the founder and the owner and the, the triumph of success of the human heart, right? Over, over everything that can come against you. Wendy's Boutique Limited is the, the quintessential story of a, a American success. And of course, 100% American made. And, and they, they fundamentally know what a woman is, guys. Even though some, some individuals around here in America apparently can't figure it out. Wendy's Boutique Limited, wendyslimited.com. At wendyslimited.com, we are keeping women beautiful and we are making sure that the women stay female, right? That's important. It's an important thing. It's such a simple idea, women's boutique, such a simple concept. Who knew it would be so controversial? It would be so like upsetting the apple cart because women are just just women because women are beautifully women and, and, and that's uh, what they're going to remain, right? We're not going to be able to, you can send some guys, some hairy dudes down to swim against it. That dude's not a woman. Transgender women are men. Right? That's that's the whole point. That's that's what Wendy's Boutique Limited brings to the table. Okay? So I hope you'll support them. 
and uh, we're gonna carry on here. It's now time for a word from our awesome sponsor, Wendy's Boutique Limited, wendyslimited.com. And uh, wendyslimited.com is offering the hottest new designer trends and brand name couture fashion styles. So you have to hear about Wendy's Boutique, wendyslimited.com, wendyslimited.com. Now has designer women's apparel and fine jewelry, sexy boutique fashions, very best prices online. And you know that at wendyslimited.com, uh, they know what a woman is, uh, what a woman really is, right? So if you're a beautiful woman or if you know a beautiful woman, and if you don't, stop listening to this show, okay? Right now, just stop. But if you happen to know a beautiful woman and you are a beautiful woman, you have to know about wendyslimited.com. So these are the, the sexiest boutique fashions anywhere, very best prices online, beautiful luxury products, guaranteed authentic guaranteed no chinese knockoffs ever so this is the real deal this is the real real the legit best prices hottest couture gear fragrances we had tom ford shades great deal on the tom ford shades everybody loves tom ford shades so you can expect to find gucci apparel hermes shoes Prada jewelry, all at wendyslimited.com. And you got to remember, wendyslimited.com is really now famous for canceling Balenciaga when it mattered, right? So we're not having any of that over here. This is a woman-owned enterprise, all-American, family-run organization, wendyslimited.com, wendyslimited.com. You got to come join the craze. Hottest new designer trends, guys. Wendy's Boutique Limited, we need your support. And uh, she's been courageous to support the show, wendyslimited.com. I came out in my book and said plainly that Luther never wrote on the Jews in their lives. Yeah. That was released three years after his death. So he never wrote the thing. Supposedly it was in 1543, but it was after, after that. It was after Luther died, because Luther never said such a thing, and I'll tell you why. You go to his commentary on Romans, and he never writes anything like that. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I have Lenker's work. I have Lenker's work where, where he quotes Luther and saying that obviously Israel will be restored and Lord haste the day. I have it in my PowerPoint. Yeah. So Luther never wrote on the Jews in their lives for two reasons. Number one, the theology in on the Jews in their lives because the uh, on the Jews in their lives teaches work salvation. Luther hated work salvation. He came yeah. to know the Lord for Romans one seventeen. The judge shall live by faith, as you know. He hated yeah. anybody that in any kind of work salvation, and that's what right. you see all through in the Jews in their lives. Yeah. The second reason why you can reject it as a work of Luther is the whole language of on the Jews in their lives. Luther didn't have that style. Oh, okay. It was not his style. So those are the two reasons why someday I'll get. I'll write something off and publish on it, but those are the two primary reasons. And then, and in Jews in their lives, he's quoting from uh, the, 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 Latin, the Latin Psalms, uh, what is it, Nate Tamer, something like that, the Latin Psalm, the, the Misery. Who doesn't quote from that? 
He's quoting yeah. from the German Bible, or he'll quote from the Hebrew, but he's not going to quote any Latin. Uh, yeah. Jerome's Latin, Vulgate, you know? So yeah. Yeah. all these things have the despicable flavor of the Jesuits, and they're masters right. at, uh, at um, having, uh, what do you call them, uh, books written by them and attributed to other people. Counterfeits. Mein Kampf is another one. Hoover's the great. Hoover's the great deceit's another one. I mean, uh, uh, what is the ISIS unveiled and the secret doctrine by Blavatsky? That's another couple of manuscripts written by Jesuits. They're the masters of counterfeiting, writing books and attributed to their coaches. Yeah, yeah, do um, do do you have a possible name that you think may have done it? Uh, a certain individual, um, just maybe a guess, maybe best guess of who you think did it. Well, I don't know, because, see, at the time, the Jesuits were just getting started. They were founded in 1534. They were brought into the papacy in 1540. Um, Luther dies, what, in 1546, I believe. They say he wrote it in 1543. It's, and one of the first things they attack is, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Xavier or Salmeron or, or one of those guys uh, wrote it themselves. Maybe abortion. Yeah. Well, uh, this leads to another issue, and th th this is from the Catholic Gazette. It was written in 1936. This is kind of the holy grail of our Jesuit coadjutors here. They point to this as the definitive proof that the Jews were behind the Protestant Reformation. Um, <clears throat> they, they quote this document. They think that they've gotten a hold of this document here that was supposedly being uh, distributed among Jews. Uh, let me give you just the kind of the preface to this uh, this little article in the Catholic Gazette. It says that there has been and still is a Jewish problem no one can deny. Since the rejection of Israel 1,900 years ago, the Jews have scattered in every direction. And in spite of difficulties and even persecution, they have established themselves as a power in nearly every nation of Europe. Jacobs, in his Jewish contribu contributions to civilization, glories in the fact that without detriment to their own racial unity and international character, the Jews have been able to spread their doctrines and increase their political, social, and economic influence among the nations. In view of this Jewish problem, which affects the Catholic Church in a special way, we publish the following amazing extracts from a number of speeches recently made under the auspices of a Jewish society in Paris. The name of our informant must remain concealed. <laughs> Uh, he is personally known. To, yeah, he is personally known to us by reason of his peculiar relations with the Jews. At the present time, we have agreed not to disclose his identity nor to give any further details of the Paris meeting beyond the following extracts. Yada yada, and it goes down here. Let me give you the section which touches on the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> Quotation. Okay, so here's the speech. He's quoting the Catholic Gazette is now quoting from this speech by this Jew, okay? Quotation, Martin Luther yielded to the influence of his Jewish friends, and again by Jewish authority and with Jewish finance, his plot against the Catholic Church met with success. Thanks to our, <laughs> prop yeah, thanks to our propaganda, to our theories of liberalism, and to our misrepresentations of freedom, the minds of many among the Gentiles were ready to welcome the Reformation. They separated from the church to fall into our snare, and thus the Catholic Church has been very sensibly weakened, and her authority over the kings and Gentiles has been reduced almost to naught. <clears throat> this, is, this, is, this is rich right here. We are grateful 
to Protestants for their loyalty to our wishes. <laughs> Although most of them are, in the sincerity of their faith, unaware of their loyalty to us, <laughs> we are grateful to them for the wonderful help they are giving us in our fight against the strongholds of Christian <laughs> civilization and in our preparations for the advent of our supremacy over the whole world and over the kingdoms of the Gentiles. Okay, so it's just, it just goes on with this propaganda. It doesn't actually tell us who these friends were of Martin Luther that influenced him. I, I have, I don't know of it. Do you know who they could possibly be talking about? I've, I've never come across. Yeah, I've never come across of any influential Jew in any historical writing on Luther. Neither have I. None. So, so yeah. therefore, the question is, who financed Luther? Yeah, yeah. If he had it, well, we know it was Frederick the Elector. Yeah. Yeah. Frederick the Elector paid him to trans, helped him, kept him fed and clothed when he was Knight George at Warburg Castle for ten yeah. months, putting the Bible into German. There were no yeah. Jews involved in that. Yeah. So all this, this is 1936 when you read this. This is the Jesuits in Europe seeking to unite Protestants and Catholics together against the Jews. That's what they They come up with this bogus Jewish author that's saying these things. They do the same thing with that one other guy with uh, Friedman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're going to treat all these terrible things to the Jews, and, and they're using one of their court Jews to write it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without any historical documentation. So I'm just I'm in the process of hunting down the casuistry. All right, the, the, this particular demagogic and vile political weaponry against the Jewish people, whatever however you want to understand it. Everyone wants to call into question, well, what is a Jew? And so this is, this is the ultimate spiritual and political controversy that we have to work out because it's clear that if, if these people over here who are pushing all this false history and this revisionist history, this Khazarian fake Jew medieval doctrine, I mean, I'm looking for the erroneous edges of it so I can pick it apart and, and just take it down as completely fraudulent. But the individuals who are pushing this are, are not people who are godly people, right? These are not people who believe in God who believe in the Bible. They just they, they may have a Roman Catholic worldview. And, and of course, if you, the Roman Catholic doctrines and, and dogmas have nothing to do with what's in the actual Bible history. All right? And so it's, going, it's not meant to, the Catholic parishioners are meant to take part in the ritual and not be concerned about the histories or the actual veracity of a thousand-year-old books of, of the Chronicles of the Israelites and all that. They, they, that's not part of their religion. Of course, we as Christians who have come out of the the legacy of the Protestant Reformation are relying entirely in the granular details and the actual meaning, the original meaning of the texts of the Bible under the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament. And a lot of people who are of a Judean and Israelite background, or maybe who are Jewish, they're not interested in the Brit Hadashah very much. So this whole controversy surrounding the people of God and the land of God, the Israelites and the Jews, takes us back deeply into the scriptural and historical legacies that are, are in the Bible. So this is going to refine out 70 or 80% of people who are only interested in the political fixation of whether to support Palestine or Israel and all of the mountains of denunciations of the state of Israel as somehow some kind of colonial state, as being a uh, the brainchild of the Rothschilds, and ultimately, somehow, a secret weapon with the, the six-pointed hexagram and the star on the flag, which is quite awful and quite disconnected from anything biblical, admittedly. But people want to tie in the, the garish and violent history of the Illuminati and then just bring it full circle and, and pour all their derision onto the state of Israel. 
and ultimately support Hamas in this this kind of quagmire of geopolitical controversy. And that's what we're dealing with here in, in the Middle East. So as we fixate on how it is that the liberals, the leftists of the world have gotten to be so anti-Israel and how they've got to this point where they're saying that the Jewish people are replacement Jews, they're not real Jewish people, they're false Jews from Khazaria. And of course, you can see how deeply entrenched and, and inner and interwoven these false doctrines have become. Uh, we will show how Fordham University has a, uh, a historical account where it likes to show the medieval letters of the Khazar Jews, right? So we don't have to look very far to begin to piece together where you're going to get all this anti-Semitic propaganda, all this cleverly established medieval accounts of the Khazarian false Jews, right? And you can see that this serves the Roman Catholic ideology very well. And so we're getting back to the root cause of anti-Semitism in the world. And we can blame Islam. They can take their, their share of blame. But Islam hasn't been around very long on the world stage. And before Islam existed and before they put together all the accoutrements of their bizarre Sharia doctrine that hates Jews and Christians, before that was even all put together and, and, and compiled into supposed holy book, Quran, as they say, the anti-Semitism of Rome and its deep hatred of the people of Israel had already been established for quite quite a few quite a few centuries before Islam even popped out. And our way of looking at it, Islam is completely the invention of the early papacy. It's climb towards world power, right? It's it's avarice and it's ambition to become a theocracy, right? That's what they ultimately were driving towards. They wanted to have a world dominion, a world empire, a religio-cultic theocracy where they could rule the world by the Pope, who was Jesus' special boy. Of course, we had to get rid of the Jews, right? We had to just get rid of the Jews because they were Christ killers. Christ killers can't be a part of the church. The original Israelites were replaced, right? That's what that's their replacement theology. They they insert now the new church, the new Christian church, the new Roman church, or however they want to look at it. They insert themselves into the scripture and replace Israel. So Israel is no longer the apple of a God's eye. They've been taken down. God no longer cares about those Jewish people. He he forgot about his old covenant with them. It's all been done away with. That's what God does. He just he forgets his covenant. He makes an everlasting covenant and he forgets it. He switches it to the Pope. So that, that's the nature. It's the simple nature. There's all this fog of war. There's all this kind of propaganda rhetoric, right? All this invective, all this the prepositioning of all this supposed historical accounts of Khazaria. And we've already shown again and again how the Jesuits and Rome have been creating fraudulent and revised completely fake history in order to frame their enemies. They did it with the, oh, the famous book, The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, right? And it showed how the, the Jews were trying to take over the world and kill everyone. Well, we, are, we already did a, a neat little presentation where we discussed how that has been blown completely apart, completely debunked. And there was no Learned Elders of Zion Jewish conspiracy. And it was all based, the entire fraud and the entire craftsmanship of the ideological weapon aimed at Israel was based on the forgery, right? It's a forgery. And it was all based on an earlier book called The Learned Elders of the Borg Fontaine. The Learned Elders of the Borg Fontaine was the original book. And it was used as a mechanism of casuistry, right? Casuistry, just like a, an ideological accusation framed at, at one's enemies. So the Jesuits used these ancient writings to make to create the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, right? Which is just another 
mechanism to attack and foster pogroms and create invective and hatred against the Jewish people. So this is the same thing. It's the same thing was done against Martin Luther. They created a, a complete forgery, a complete work of fiction called On the Jews and Their Lies with a bunch of anti-Semitic hatred. Even Adolf Hitler waved around on the Jews and their lies, supposedly by Martin Luther, right? The, the father of the Protestant Reformation. So they're constantly trying to frame Protestants and the Protestant Reformation with this scarlet letter of anti-Semitism, right? That's the whole point of creating a forgery in the name of Martin Luther and trying to castigate the Jews under the name of the Protestant Reformation, but that, that's been taken down and debunked and been shown to be a total forgery. So the same thing is gonna be done here with this Kazaria lie. I don't care if Fordham University has up all this false Kazarian doctrine, these, these Jesuit manipulators of history, these Aristotelian molesters of the youth and provocateurs within academia. They're not real educators, they're just provocateurs. That's, that's the whole point of having a, a medieval history of the Khazarian Jews in, the, in this propaganda, this trope, this anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish trope is in Fordham University, like they're serious, like they're serious people. That's, of course, that's where Hillary comes out of and all these other like New World Order fanatic pigs, right? They're all, they're all out of these Jesuit universities. So we're gonna go through here carefully today and we're gonna separate and divide the chaff from the wheat, all right? We're gonna do a little bit of that today. And you may be wheat and you may be chaff, but you're getting divided. You're gonna get divided right now because we're gonna call for you to join our cause, to be exposed to this movement is more than just a little bit of interesting entertainment for you to sit back and hear some controversial historical concepts that you never heard before and feel, feel some kind of inner fulfillment because you were able to listen to a podcast. That's great. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're there to listen. Okay. But I need you to do something more than just listen. I need you to participate. And first thing you can do to participate is recognize that we are in a mass movement here beneath the surface, underneath the spotlight of, uh, of, of contemporary history here, underground in the American political landscape, which is becoming dangerously totalitarian, dangerously fascistic with these persecutions. You can see that they're going to try to persecute and run to ground anyone they can that isn't going to go along with the program here. And so we've built in our own little people group, our own little peer culture, our own little book club. And behind all that is our own little secret confederation here. We're skeleton key, right? The order of skeleton key. That's who we are. That's who we are going forward. And that's how we're going to put down our foundation to quietly do the things we need to do in the background and avoid being to the best of our ability to being persecuted and attacked by the state and and to, and to be able to maintain our personal connections behind the scenes behind the scenes and so that's what it's really all about and imagine when the world goes dark imagine when the couple of these satellites get knocked out and none of these phones work anymore google maps is gone and gone for good and maybe in a year or 18 months they'll have things back up but in the meantime you know 100 million people are going to die in america because of all the chaos and crime and all the Machiavellian movements of bringing in our enemies into the into the country, right? They're not going to attack the uh, deeply fortified rich people, but they're going to attack the little communities and the apartment complexes and the suburbs are going to get burned up and all the infighting that's going to take place. So imagine yourself there. Imagine yourself in a world where now you, it all depends on who you really know, right? Who you really know. And you can no longer rely on digital technology anymore. It's about what do you remember about how to get there, right? How, do you remember how to get there? Do you remember how to get there when maybe some of the highways are no longer operable you remember how to get far out into a safe country region where there might be food and shelter right these are the kind of concepts that you haven't thought of yet but that's what we're doing that's what we're establishing that's what we're building out for ourselves for our friends and families and to ultimately we'll have the resources to extend to other people in the future 
when things get really, really terrible, really terrible. And it might be that all of our planning is for now and there's nothing we can do. We're just going to be swallowed and consumed by all the chaos and, you know, but we're going to make our best effort. Okay, we're taking it way past survivalism. That's like hiking. We're going past hiking. We're going to dig in. So we don't have any deep underground bases, which I can't imagine the wisdom of that either. I wouldn't want to get trapped down into some kind of deep underground military base. Smart of an idea as it might seem, if there's going to be tectonic shifts and earthquakes in the crust of the earth, right? That would be a horrible place to get stuck down in there. But nevertheless, we're going to be right here on the earth's surface. And we're going to be doing our very best to prepare to live an agrarian, no longer digital, but analog lifestyles. And we're going to do our very best to be on the forefront of just informing you and inviting you in as time goes on to what we have to, to offer the world. And we're also going to be here to separate the wheat and the chaff another way, which is we're going to stand up for the people of God and we're going to stand up for Israel. And we're going to stand against whatever weird political mechanisms of Palestine or Hamas or whatever that we, we understand the Palestinian people to be completely erroneous and irrelevant. Not that they're not human beings, not that they don't have... Uh, you know, human dignity and a life. They're not human people that we want to respect and keep from danger. But what I'm saying is that the, the name Palestine doesn't mean anything. It was just a, a made-up name the Romans came up with a long time ago to rename Israel after they surrounded it and attacked Israel with the armies of Titus in 70 AD. And they wanted to send the people away after they were they burnt the city down and destroyed the temple. And they wanted to rename the place so it would never again be Israel again. And they named it Palestina, like we said. They named it after their ancient enemies, Philistines, right? It's like, it's like conquering America and then renaming America China after its enemies, right? That's the kind of thing that happened here. So the idea of the serious, deep-rooted, and, and firmly, firmly established reality of some kind of Palestinian people, it's just not really there. It's not really true. And just like many other things in this show, we're not going to just go along with the, the vernacular deception. We're not just going to partake in the, the idiocy of the, and the kind of stampeding and rushing of people in some kind of political mania. We're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to remember what the Palestine name came from. We're going to remember the conquest of Israel by Rome in 70 AD and the destruction of Israel and the temple. And we're going to remember where the name Palestine came from. We're going to remember who Israel's real enemies are. Because it's not only since that point in time when Rome jealously came in and tried to control the city through Pontius Pilate and they crucified Jesus, not the Jews, the Romans crucified Jesus on a Roman cross. And then after that, in 70 AD, they went and burned the entire city down and destroyed it because they were jealous of it. They wanted to control it. They wanted to make it part of their fiefdoms and their satraps and their world empire. And when it couldn't be controlled, when the people wouldn't, wouldn't worship their gods or worship Roman, you know, under Roman concepts of temple, uh, Zeus worship or whatever, they, they destroyed that place and they renamed it Palestina. And I said, I'm not going to accept this. Oh, Gaza is Palestine's and Palestinians are real people. And you know, no, those are all just completely made up and, and wholly invented fictions. Just like Iran and Iraq, just like after, after the Ottoman empire was destroyed in world war one, the victors, namely the British carved it up and created Iraq and Iran. They created Jordan. They, cre they created all these other places around there and they, they, they broke up the entire region into different smaller sub-regions. They created Saudi Arabia, yada yada. So that's when all that stuff happened. So this whole this whole entering in of somehow the Gaza Strip and the Palestinians and Hamas, this is all just recent United Nations funded leftist insanity because they're anti-Semites. That's why you have this, that's why you take the, 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 the writings of the elders of the Borg Fontaine and you use it to mass produce 
an anti-Semitic fake work of history called the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. It's supposed to frame the Jews for all the world's problems, right? Hitler's waving it around, makes it one of his reasons why he's going to kill all the Jews take away their businesses, run them out. So they're using all these fraudulent forgeries and fake histories to justify what people were doing contemporarily in the 1930s and 40s. The same thing is happening now. This whole Kanzaria invective, this whole created, fictitious, revisionist, historical propaganda that says that the Kazarians turned into Jews. I mean, maybe they had some books, right? Maybe they rejected Islam and they had some books of the Bible and they read the Ten Commandments, right? They did, lots of people did that. That doesn't make them Jews, right? This is, that's why you have to recognize that the entire problem here is that there are already existing all across Europe and Eastern Europe, millions of descendants of Israel, descendants of Judah. That's where you get the word Jew from. It comes from the tribe of Judah. These people, they don't believe their Bible. They don't read their Bible. They don't know anything about it. And what happens is simply... There were 12 tribes of Israel. Ten of the tribes were taken into captivity and it only left primarily Judah behind. And Judah, and their center of city was Jerusalem. So it's pretty simple, straightforward history that the Assyrians could not take Judah captive. They couldn't destroy Judea, the region of Judea, and they couldn't take Jerusalem. But they did take all the northern tribes and, and captured them and took them away. That's what left the entire land of Israel empty. All the Israelites are gone, except for Judah, the Jews, the only remaining tribe of Israel left. Because all the other tribes are gone. After that point, it's like a thinning of the herd. It's like what happened with Noah. After, after everyone else drowned in the entire world, Noah and his family gets off the boat, and they're the only ones left. Same thing that happened here, guys. After Assyria took all the tribes of Israel into captivity, Judah was left. Only Judah. Historical fact. Histori Judah was the only people left in the land. The Jews were the only Israelites left for a very long time. Go through like King David, go through Solomon, go through all the time, all, all these periods of the kings, all these centuries, till eventually, you know what happens? Nebuchadnezzar shows up to Jerusalem, shows up to the Jews, the last remaining tribe. He takes them into captivity for 70 years. So Israel is completely just broken, except for just a few remnant people that remain there. Maybe a little military outpost for Babylon or something. But what happens after that is Cyrus the Great comes in, Persians come in and remove Babylon, and they let the, the Jews go. They send the people back to their land. They're like, they want to create a new empire of freedom for everyone and good goodwill. So all the other chains of bondage, setting people free, letting the Jews go back to their land and rebuild the wall. It's history, guys. So history, the Jews go back and reclaim their land once again after having been taken from, being removed from it. So finally, the Jewish people are back in their land. And that's going to be the continuity of history right there for centuries up until the, the arrival of Messiah. And ultimately, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And, and the erroneous, fake creation of the false Palestinian state. And the Palestinians were, in the, so, so the so-called land of Palestine was established by the Romans there to deface and defame thousands of years of human history that had come before and, the entire, and all the famous legacies of David as he slays Goliath, Solomon and his world-renowned world wisdom, etc., 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 etc. The Romans thought they'd just cap that off and just salt it and just be done with it. It'll, it won't be Israel anymore. It'll be Palestine now, right? Well, now we're back there. The same issue here with the United Nations, the same issue here with the new Roman papacy and this new world order, right? And the Klaus Schwab types, World Economic Forum types here to try to tell us that uh, we have to cease fire. The, Israeli, uh, the state of Israel is, is illegal and is, is irrelevant, and they're not real Jews. They're Khazarians. And they have a, a world conspiracy because they're the learned elders of Zion, and they're going to try to kill us all under their, their Jewish conspiracy. Now, this is a Jesuit conspiracy. 
This is a Jesuit Kaddish, right? Let's talk about that book. Let's talk about the Jesuit Kaddish. So here we're going to separate you. You're either going to just leave out because you're so enamored with the anti-Semitic, anti-Jew hate propaganda. You can't tolerate to hear the crisp and pristine truth as I present the facts that all those erroneous histories that bring you to this hate are lies. And your, your Jew hatred is all based on lies. And if you knew the truth, if you were open to the truth, you wouldn't hate the people of God. You wouldn't hate the people of Judah, and you wouldn't hate the last remaining tribe of Israel that we know about as they come back into their land. Even if they are being funded by Rothschilds, even if there are weird Fabian socialists that are engineering it all to create you know, d you know, problems. God is in control, not Fabian socialists. Let's get a grip. Okay, all their planning and everything that they try to do, they're all dead now. All these people that we talk about that set all this crap into motion, all their children are here. These, these defunct retards. And I'm, I'm glad that, that we have this, this totalitarianism that's basically inept. I'm glad that they're not as, like, you know, psycho and well-trained well and effective as their parents were. Well, let's carry on here. So it, it, this is a dialectic that's being established there. And if you go back to the letters of Mazzini and Albert Pike, they knew for a long time what would happen if they put these clashing spiritual dynamics together. But that's not our thing to call. It's not, it's not, our, it's not for us to go take the side of the Philistines and go stand behind Goliath and chuck spears at the Jews because somebody told us some false history and there was some hyper political amped up Alex Jones dudes out there like you know a bunch of pro pro Nazi haters out there talking junk about the Jews about Khazarians and all this guy and you just feed into it you're feeding into the negativity stop doing it go and read a little bit about the terms and the issues there and, and find out what it is just they run out run out their door run out their apartment with their kids and go run out and join the BLM protest and i have no idea what it is did you get you and your kids to get down on your knees and kiss some black people's boots too what, what kind of sick social psychodrama bullshit is this that you guys are engaged in just because you, you're empty you have nothing else uh, you, you have no knowledge you have you, you watch uh, cnn you don't know what's going on in the world so th when they fan the flames of every kind of mania you're gonna you're gonna have orgiastic joy to run out and participate now they they're doing the orgiastic joy with uh, palestinians their fake palestinian hamas flag or whatever so you can see the whole thing is being set up. God is not going to abandon his people. He's capable and strong. He's the creator of the universe, and he's able to make a permanent covenant with his people and remember it. He's able to keep his Bible, his word, unstained and unmanipulated through time. There, there are some, many people who went and made some false translations, but the, the original foundational roots, the foundational keystones of the Bible are uh, indestructible permanently established, permanently written in millions and hundreds of millions of copies all throughout the planet. You can't, you can't be undone. You can't get that information out. You can't take that data and that information out of the human population. You just have to kill us all. People of the book, people who hold to the books of God. You're going to have to kill us all. There's no, there's no new seal of the prophet that's going to come along. There's no new Gnostic revelation of secret knowledge that no one else had that's going to come along that's going to change that. There's no like, oh, untold history of the Khazar Jews that's going to replace the theology of God, guys. He's not going to side with Baal. Love. That's what that's what Allah worship is, is Baal. And he's not going to side with it. He's not going to side with Baal. Not for Palestinians, not for Gaza, not for all the rudiments of this fake uh, geopolitical drama that you're partaking in. He's going to stand with his people. Okay, Just like when David threw the stone and killed Goliath, God was there. All right, Just when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire, he was there. All right, Just when he, he himself came in the person of Jesus Christ and stood and walked with his people and suffered terrible fate in order to be... The propitiation for not only his people, but for everyone in the world, for you and I.
So this is the final deal. If you take the wrong side of this thing and you've worked and there's a massive curse in the Bible for people who, who take and stand against Israel and become enemies of Israel and stand with the enemies of God. It's not just the enemies of the people of God. It's the enemies of God and his religion, his temple, his people, his place, the place where he shed his blood at, at Calvary. It's all, it's all right there. And everyone is, that I see in the world is rejecting it. They're rejecting it as truth. They're rejecting it as political, relevant, moral reality. They're happy to go with some newfangled, psycho-violent cult of the beheadings of the Christians and Jews, right? Cult of the persecution to serve the murderer, the murder god of Muhammad. That's, that's, that's your choice. You're here, you're going to serve on the side of the Palestinians and the United Nations and, and the Muslims. And you're going to stand with Russia and China. You're going to stand with the entire globe. And you're going to stand against Israel. And you're going to suffer the, the price. You're going to pay the price. So in order to help us to alleviate the extremity of this ideological violence that we face, or find ourselves faced with, I'm going to do my best to dig in to this Khazarian fraud, this historical forgeries. And we're going to show you that that's coming from the Jesuits. And the Jesuits have... A deep-seated need to control Jerusalem. That was Loyola. Remember that guy? Ignatius Loyola. Ignacio Lopez. That's his real name. They always switch the names around. You ever notice that? Oh, they change the names. They change the names. So Indigo Lopez. I, I read. You're just, you guys are just a bunch of idiots who don't have any information. I read. I find out. Indigo Lopez, who, who's come to be known as the founder of the Jesuit order, is this tool. Ignatius Loyola, he ultimately is going to make it his primary mission and the primary mission of the Jesuits in their writings and in the facts of their historical accounts that they're going to liberate Jerusalem from the Saracens and the Muslims for the Virgin Mary, right? That's their goal. That's one of their main, their main goals is to overcome the Protestant Reformation and turn it back and reverse it with the Counter-Reformation by any means necessary and kill anyone that, kill any nation, destroy any nation, destroy any king. Any, any heretic king could be disposed of. Anything could be done to serve their mission to bring the world back into subservience to the Pope. And that's a permanent world mission forever. That is, you don't get to be like, oh, it's 2020 now. It's modern times. I don't think we're going to keep up with our medieval vengeance anymore. No, they're going to keep up with it. It drove World War One. It drove World War Two, And it's driving us towards World War Three right now. So this urge of the Jesuits to destroy the Protestant Reformation and their deeply held sacred mantra... Right, to, to control the land of Jerusalem, to take back the holy city for the Pope. And, uh, and of course, anyone who won't participate and take part in that are heretics, and they should be burnt at the stake. Right, That's, that's the thinking here. It's the extreme maniacal religious insanity and religious murder that you are uninformed about that's coming. That's why the, the violence of these Muslims is so replete and so extreme that Americans can't comprehend it. The Jews at the club, they're like the Jews at the rave, right? They got the statue of Buddha up. They're, they're dancing in the rave. They're having fun. They're, they can't comprehend that these people are coming over there to murder them and burn them alive. It just doesn't arrive in their mind, the evil that's against them, the evil that's against us. So this Jesuit order pretends to be a spiritual monkish order, but it's really a military order. It's like the Knights of Malta, right? Like other knighthood orders. It's a powerful occult knighthood order. It's sitting there lying like a serpent in the grass in academia, in universities, in Georgetown University. They sit there like professors, like doctors, like civilized men, but they're not. They're not civilized men. They're carrying on covertly within the subterranean machinations of their order. They're carrying on the destruction of America. Catholic Charities is bringing over the uh, millions of illegal immigrants over the border. I mean, just, just get a grip. Get a grip on reality. It does kick. It does have a sleep, a sleep twitch, a sleep kick that wakes you up. And it, 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 it's painful. But I need you to wake up. I need you to be 
in the pain of reality, I need you to focus on this because there's no amount of, these plans have been in the works for, for centuries that are bringing America down and there's no amount of, oh, I'm gonna change my party and, and I'll be on the right side and I won't get hurt. There's no, there's no way to compromise with this. They want the, the total destruction of America. There's gonna be nowhere for Americans to flee. You have all these expatriates leaving. There's, no, there's gonna be nowhere for Americans to flee. There's gonna be nowhere to go to survive. They're going to bring America down unless we see what they're doing and we drive them out. The Jesuits are provocateurs. They're murderers, they're poisoners, they're, they're manipulators within the politics of nations, and they should be run out, just like they've been run out uh, almost 100 times in history. We'll do our best to show you all the times they've been run out of history, they've been run out of nations, run out of kingdoms, run out of territories. They've been made to be illegal, right? Just like the Order of the Illuminati was made to be illegal, and the people that were operating that, they were investigated and put in prison. The same thing should be true for these terrorist groups, the Jesuits here in the United States. They, they gotta stop hiding their doctrines. They gotta stop hiding the mechanisms by which they are controlling Washington, D.C., and in so many ways, directing and misdirecting the fate of our country. And we have to understand how they've used historical revisionist narratives and sophistry and lies to manipulate us and to breed hate. Anti-Semitic hate is being bred into the populace through academia, into the American people, into the people worldwide. And it's time for us to confront it. You're going to have to face the, the glaring sun of truth here. So we need, we need to deal with Freemasonry as well, because Freemasonry is uh, another, another kind of issue where they think the Jews run the Freemasonry as well. Okay, we need to get in behind the history of Freemasonry, and isn't the, uh, the, the, the Golden Revolution of 1688 kind of behind this, uh, Eric? Um, not that I know of. It may have participated. The Jesuits get kicked out of England with the yeah. war, uh, uh, with, when William of Orange comes into England. They tried to regain power in England even after they lost uh, to William of Orange, and so in order to in order to regain power uh, in England, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the, the Glorious Revolution of 1688. Not one drop of blood was shed. You have James II being driven out. Thank God. My only regret is that that his daughter, who was married to to uh, William didn't have him executed. Yeah, he actually let, her, he let him escape to France. But nonetheless, you have William of Orange in 1689 coming down. He takes the throne, and on the ships that come down, it's on the flags of the ships, the Protestant Reformation and the liberties of the English people. That's all written on the, one on the flags, on the sails of those ships. So he comes in, he's crowned king, and, and in 1690, the Jesuits tried to attack again. One year later, it's called the Battle of the Boyne. James II is driven out. He never comes back. He goes to France. And the Jesuits then decide to contrive to take back the throne because the Stuarts now are going to be barred from the throne because of their Catholic design of overthrowing the Protestant liberties there. And I think yeah. in 1701, they're forever banned. And so the Jesuits uh, in, in the early 1700s, by 17, 1724, 25, they write every degree of Scottish Rite Freemasonry from, from 1 to 25 in the College of Clermont in Paris, France, where they train their Jesuit Jacob and Robespierre. Yeah. So, so they're busy writing Scottish Rite. So the Jesuits now are going to call upon what's left of the Scottish Templars that are living in Scotland and have Roseland Castle to join with them. So they're going to join up with them. 
And then when the Jesuits are suppressed by the Pope in 1773, Frederick the Great protects them in Prussia, and they go to Silesia, which would be the heart of the concentration camp system in Poland later, Auschwitz and Silesia. And yeah. uh, the, while, they're, while the Jesuits are there under Frederick the Great, they're going to write the last eight degrees of Scottish rites uh, there in, uh, in, uh, in Prussia. So the yeah. Jesuits wrote every rite of the order, of the, of the craft, and you can see this in the rite of Hiram Abiff. You can see it in their use of the term IHS. I have uh, David Bernard's great work, uh, Light on Masonry. He shows you that they're using IHS in their rites with a strictly Jesuit. Mm-hmm. you got to understand, folks, it, it's right when they are suppressed, that's, that, that's when the big esoteric group starts to, get, uh, starts to be, be created, the Illuminati. And who do we have as the creator of the Illuminati? A, not, not a Jew, a professional, professional Roman Catholic named Adam Weishaupt. He wasn't just right. a he wasn't just a Catholic layman or something who just likes some flaw. He was a professional. He was a professor of canon law, okay. And he was right. he was Jesuit trained. That's right. And he, mo- so, he models the Illuminati after the Jesuit order. There's four yes. degrees. There's four degrees of the Illuminists. There's four degrees in the Jesuits generally. Yeah. And when they take their fourth bow, that which opens the fourth bow, that's that's the bloody oath. The Jesuits. Yeah. So, the, folks, the, the Masonic Lodge. I, I, I'm very familiar with the Templar Rite. I'm, I did a I did a huge presentation when I was in college on Freemasonry. It was such a blast. It wasn't even like doing homework. And uh, I, I I I did my section on the Templar Rite and the Scottish Freemasonry. I can't remember. Do they have an order? The, is there a Knights of Malta order within Freemasonry as well? Is there like a degree? <laughs> That's one yes, of the rights. Yeah, yeah. So we have within the Masonic Lodge. And it, it, it's Templarism. Freemasonry is just Templarism, folks. It's just a revival. Albert, yeah. Albert Pike says that very thing in his Morals and Dogma. Yeah. Templarism. Yep. Okay. So, so let, let's just summarize here, folks, because we're coming to the end of our, of our discussion. All right? Th- th- these are all the major points of, uh, of contention. Okay. Who were the first international bankers? Were they Jews or were they white Catholics? White Catholics. Who were the first uh, the originators of Zionism? This huge movement towards a regaining of really, it was really the Latin Kingdom of Jerusalem. That's what it was called. Was it Jews behind that, or was it white Catholics? White Catholics. Who is behind all of the the Jewish Jewish fury literature that you have being uh, being uh, fomented, being being popularized in Nazi Germany? The Roman Catholic theologians, Justin Martyr, John Chrysostom. Uh, who do we have of behind the, the Protestant Reformation? It's not Jews. Jews did had nothing whatsoever to do with the, with the, with the uh, furthering of the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> I believe it's crazy. All right. <laughs> one of the reasons I think it was in the uh, bull, the uh, Dominus Acredemptor Noster, was one of the reasons the, the Jesuits were suppressed was because they had mastered the art of class warfare. They had. Right. They had. Yes. So <laughs> they were causing they were causing class warfare between the orders and the Catholic Church. Yes. Yeah. Who were the masters of class warfare? The Jews or the Jesuits? The Jesuits. Okay. Who were the men? Who who? What was the driving influence behind the uh, Civil War? Was it Jews? No. It was 
the Roman Catholic Holy Roman Empire representative, his name is Prince von Metternich. There's three major documents or three major events you want to look at. You want to look at the Tree, the, the, the tree of Verona, the Council of Vienna, and um, the uh, Cherry Council. Okay? And Just Charles Sumner. Yeah. Okay. Of the Monroe Doctrine of 1823, and then you have the Council of Vienna, uh, 1814, 1815. Then you have the Secret Treaty of Verona, 1822. Then you have the Monroe Doctrine of 1823, and then you have the Secret Treaty, the overhearing of what the general was talking to their assistants, and then in 1825. So now it's time for a word from our sponsor. And as you know, our sponsor is courageously helping us to keep our show going here. So it's wendyslimited.com. Wendyslimited.com. So Wendy'sLimited.com. Wendy'sLimited.com has all the hottest new styles and couture trends and latest boutique women's apparel and shoes and heels and flats and all kinds of just wonderful stuff. You have hives and honey uh, jewelry armoire. It's been a favorite lately. And we have, of course, Windsor crystal uh, lamps. I have one, uh, one in stock in particular that has been a favorite. So Wendy'sLimited.com is always open to help you get everything you need. Awesome Prada purse that we uh, saw that, that uh, Wendy's Limited just put up. So we have to think who out there wants to get incredible Prada fashion couture. You know that um, from what I hear, they're a favorite of many, many ladies out there, many women all over the place. In fact, I think you cannot find a single family member or wife or sister or aunt or grandmother or loved one or girlfriend or what have you that uh, does not love Prada purses. So if you want to be totally awesome, you have to eventually come to grips with wendyslimited.com. Wendy's Boutique Limited has all the hottest new styles and latest women's apparel, everything you need to be totally awesome. If you're a woman or if you have a, a woman who's someone that you love, and of course we all love women because they're just so awesome. That's why Wendy'sLimited.com is so successful. So go check out Wendy's Boutique. Wendy'sLimited.com is the only place to go. And we have to recommend she's been totally 100% awesome to us and generous so we are always going to be buying our jewelry fine jewelry gold gold and silver jewelry and all of our best boutique couture and designer trends are we're going to go to wendyslimited.com so check out wendy's boutique limited 